Hey, welcome to Music Rails Podcast with Perry, Lou, and Mark. My name is Perry. My name is Lou. And I'm Mark. And we're going to have a good show tonight, right? We're going to talk about, well, I've got a few things to talk about, but we've all got a few subjects that we uh, tend to get into, so I uh, think it's going to be a good show. What do you guys think? Great. I'm all about it. It's a great I'm ready weekend, to rip. Great weather. Let's go for it. Do, 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 do. To drink from the fountain of music knowledge. Yes, yes, yes. All right, man. So how's everybody doing? Doing good. Doing, doing good. Okay. It's uh, it's in the summertime and the weather is fine, right? Yeah. It's humid as hell down here. It's like New Jersey. <laughs> really? Why'd I move? Well, Mark and I were just discussing before you uh, before you logged in that uh, you know, like we're gonna try and get down there somehow, and uh, you know, maybe not during monsoon season. Or something. <laughs> when September ends, yeah, don't come down. <laughs> September's dangerous. October's cool. Um, yeah. Also, October's like October's beautiful everywhere, you know. In yeah. New Jersey, it's the, the leaves are changing. Yeah, uh, down, yeah. down here, we're, yeah, but it's the same thing. Um, Dude, I've, now, I've never experienced a more humid summer than I have in North Carolina, Western North Carolina, than I have uh, this year. And because you're in the mountains, do people come there to uh, you know catch the foliage and all that? Yeah, and, uh, and a destination for that. The locals who hate tourists call them the leaf peepers. Or just the peepers. Really? I don't have leaf a problem peepers? with tourists. No, we're all tourists. It's a good name for point. a band, don't you think? The, the peepers. Leaf peepers. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And better than the peepers, because that's kind of creepy. Well, up in Vermont, they call like the people crotch from watchers. Jersey. They call people from Jersey and Vermont flatlanders. They're flatlanders. Oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah, really? Like really? Yeah. Well, that, that's what I call the middle part of Jersey, like New Brunswick. That's the, the Great Plains of New Jersey. It's flat there. Yep. It's middle Jersey, too. Anybody want to get into a subject? Uh... I'll start. Cool. Okay. Um, so, we all know about the British invasion. Um, anyone who's of a certain age or anywhere, if you've like, studied music, my kid knows it. He's 16. That was when the first wave of British bands came over and wiped the slate clean of rock and roll. And, you know, American rock and roll at that point, American white rock and roll, was in a bit of a doldrums. There's a lot of that singer-songwriter, teen idol stuff. Not to be too disparaging of that, because um, there are probably a good, a good songs here and there. But aside from Motown, which was saved American music at that point, uh, the rock and roll market, rock, you know, just that was ripe for the, um, the British invasion, you know, the whole aspect of the Kennedy assassination, you know, the whole yeah. now, coming down. Into, yeah. what, what, what? How, how far into the 60s did like Fabian and like, you know, were they strictly the 50s or were they into the 60s? Late 50s Fabian, and early, like, early 60s. I think 63 was like, a, I think we were talking about, um, on, uh, actually on our friend uh, Scott McLean's uh, website, um, podcast, Milk Crates and Turndales, we talked about Sugar Shack being the, the mm-hmm. number one song of 1963. So at that point, it was a lot of stuff like that. And good folk music, obviously. I mean, Dylan was around, uh, but like rock. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was, it was primed for that wave. And Dylan, of course, was influenced by the Beatles like everybody else. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when, when you think, okay, when you guys think of the British Invasion, what are the first bands that you think of? I think of the Kinks. The Kinks. Stones. Stones. And the, the Beatles. The Beatles. Uh, Rolling Stones. Jerry and the Pacemakers. Yes. Well, you, but you remember, like, remember in, back in uh, WNEW or PLJ, they have the, uh, the British Invasion weekend, Beatles, Stones, Kinks, or Who, whatever. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the Who really weren't a British Invasion band in a lot of ways. They were, but they weren't. Um, 
the Kinks also. The Kinks they got stopped in 1965 when they, um, they 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 couldn't tour the United States for like they they were. Yeah, revoked. how they did were, that come to be? You they know were banned the for four years. It? Yeah, why? They were, they were too friggin' rowdy on stage. Dave Davies. You're did, kidding. No, it wasn't just the brothers. It was Dave Davies and Mick Avery. Never the drummer never got along. Uh, there was some on stage stuff like in Australia. So when they did it in America, so the American Federation of musicians said, you know. At this yeah i guess he was too disruptive and it wasn't just dave really? and ray yeah so they kind of shot them it seems like they shot themselves in the foot they don't talk about it the musicians union doesn't talk about it and that's when they really really when they when they couldn't come here they were like more in more and more english well yeah, you know, well, all well, they, yeah. They all, they, well they lost out on that chance to come here you know 65 that, that money they lost no, that's out year on the two money. The, yeah. yeah that's year two of the invasion so 65 until up until 70 with like you know lola and stuff like that they couldn't they couldn't play uh, in England, do you yeah. think? Do you think that they could have been like a bit like selling out the garden? You know, had they been able to stay here, oh, they would yeah. have really grown oh, yeah. like they're, that. They're huge, huge. The, um, really? Some of the, yeah. Well, some of the the albums they put out during that period are, are great. Um, you know, I went through some of their. It's funny how we're talking about um, more latter day, or we're talking about the Kings as opposed to the British Invasion. But as long mm-hmm. as we're on the subject. They were briefly in the British Invasion, but then they really weren't because they couldn't be part of that whole thing. And all those bands, other bands were from the United States. So <clears throat> they did make some very English records, but they were a very English band. Going back to dedicated follower of fashion, that's yeah. British yep. pop, you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they were, it was the you know, two brothers, Ray and Dave Davies, uh, Mick Aver on drums, Pete Quaif on bass. Um, you know, the bass player, the, that chair changed a lot. Um, well, that is a British name, man. Oh yeah, no Pete Quaif. Um, but they um. So I, I hear all, all the hits that they they played on. They were managed by uh, produced by a guy named Shell Talmy. But you know, re- yeah. you really got me. That was recorded in two takes. That's pretty cool. Um, and they had to rent their own studio for that because the record company didn't want it. So their producer actually shelled out the money. They went to another studio and did it in two takes. It was the number one in England. I think it was number one in the United States too. International smash. Uh, and really did Dave me. Davies? Did Dave Davies really cut his slice his ample his speaker on his amp? Evi- evidently, he get- did. Yeah, yeah. You get that distorted sound, and that's considered one of the prototypes of hard rock and heavy metal and and garage rock. They were a great garage rock, like mm-hmm. like the uh, the Rascals. You know, they were some great garage rock, but they also had some more sophisticated material. Um, all day and all of the night. That's one of their earlier hits. Tired of waiting for you. Uh, they were on Pie Records, and there were a lot of cool artists on Pie Records. Um, Lonnie Donegan, The Searchers, uh, The Brotherhood of Man. You remember the song Brotherhood of Man, their big hit? No. You mentioned it song? once. United We Stand. Divided We Fall. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great song. Our backs against the wall. Um, yeah, then, so, um, A Sunny Afternoon was another one. Blazing on yeah. a Sunny Afternoon. Blazing uh, on a Sunny. Yeah. Great song. A dedicated follower of fashion. He's a dedicated, and these are very British sounding. Yeah, know, very. Well, he 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 commented on English culture and like a lot of class. Yep. Uh, is that, that class one, structure I, stuff. Oh yes, he is. Oh yes, he yeah. is. Yep. Yep. I'm a well-respected man. I'm oh, so yeah. conservatively yep. Um, yep. till the end of the day. It's another one of those rockers. Till the end yeah. of the day. Yep. Yeah. Um, the B side was covered by Van Halen. Yeah, the B side is "Where Have All the Good Times Gone," which is ah. a great song. Yeah. 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 Really, um, Van Halen covered two King songs. Yeah, yep. and they had hits and, with both. Yeah, hits with both. Van Halen, great cover band. They did covers yeah. better, better than their originals sometimes. 
You've um, been saying that they should have done an album of covers. You know, pure covers, you know. a double album of pure covers. It would have been Dive a somebody to compile it. Yeah, Dive yeah. It Down was basically a covers album. <laughs> yeah, it kind of was, wasn't it? Yeah, good point. Uh, Waterloo um, Sunset. You got that in there, right? That was yeah, well, it is. That's, that's, my that's, that's going more toward the mid '60s. But um, yeah. Sunny Afternoon. Um, the B side of that was a great song. I'm not like everybody else. It's been used on commercials. Uh, oh, yeah, it's been that's covered. A great song. It's yeah. a great song. In fact, that Perry, that was on one of the early shows when I was, we were on as Leo Kennedy and the Sharks, um, on the Bill Kelly uh, Teenage Wasteland show in WFMU. Yeah. That was on one of the set lists the first time I heard it. Um, Leo Kennedy and the Sharks is a fictitious name that me and Perry came up with when we, we recorded some stuff and got played on a radio station. Uh, I, WFMU, I had nothing New Jersey. to do with that. that you had everything. You had everything to do with no, the first time. Yes, you did. No, no, I did yes, not. You did. You're the one who came up with it. All you did was I ask wrote me the to song. play bass. You asked me to play bass on it. That's all. No, I did. no, but it would not have gotten played on the radio unless you told me about that radio company. Mark, do you know the story? No, but I, oh, I don't think it was oh, Perry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was La Perry Mysterioso. That's I, I do. I do remember that there. It's uh, it's called WFMU, and they had a songwriting contest. Yeah, and there was a little misinformation about what it was, you know. So yes, uh, there was. So it was just about you know you could have you could have submitted a song about right. the station, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Yeah. in particular, there's a there's a show called Teenage Wasteland that Lou and I really enjoyed uh, listening to, and so Lou wrote a song called. Teenage Wasteland, WFMU. Like, it was, it was a great song. It was, it was a tribute. And even Bill Kelly told you, like, you know, like, well, well I'm sorry, but you got the wrong uh, wrong impression or something, yeah, right? what or, there was, there was another program called The Best Show on FMU. So you yeah. told me, you go, Lou, there's a contest about writing a song about the best show on FMU. I'm like, well, my favorite show is Teenage Wasteland. So we did this whole thing with, with that Wurlitzer organ that I inherited from the Zion Lutheran. That's on there. Steve Flood's first electric drum kit, and I played the guitars. You played bass on it, and I sang it. Um, so, Mark, so what happens, I, I sent it in, and then I thought, yeah. so I was going to end up in the dead letter office because I sent it to the wrong show. So <laughs> one day I was about to, I'm going hiking, and I'm driving up toward Nyack, and I'm, it's 3 o'clock, so the show came on at 3, and Bill Kelly goes, and now, number one, wait, for the first time, number one song of this week at the number one charts, I'm Teenage Wasteland, Leo Kennedy and the Sharks, Teenage Wasteland. He starts playing the song. I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, he playing, he's playing it, you know? Yeah. So I pulled over oh, in a parking so Luke, lot. <laughs> sorry, Lou, go ahead. I pulled over in a parking lot, and uh, there's these two kids sitting in a car. I said, put on, uh, what's it, what's it, what are the call numbers? 91, I forgot. 91.1. 91.1. Yeah. I said, I'm on the radio. And they're like, oh, cool. So I called Perry. So, and then we, so Lou we calls we got me up, and, he, and, he, and I hear him. He's, he's running down the street screaming, like, like what's her name? <laughs> and then that thing you do. I live home now. That, that, yeah. that was the Brian Wilson moment. That's when you heard yourself uh, on the like radio. Li- when you like Liv, t- Liv Taylor. Liv Tyler, yeah. <laughs> you run into the appliance store, putting it on all the uh, stereos. Yeah. And... No, but it was cool. Like, you know. But then he proceeded to cool. play. He, he played several of the songs. But that was, that was cool. So, yeah, but he he at least appreciated the fact that, you know, you uh, you wrote a song about his show. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. that was Because he always played these, uh, like, the, the only show comparable to it now is the Steve Van Zandt, um, what is he called? What's his show called? Garage. Underground Garage. Underground yeah. Garage. Bill right. Kelly yeah. has a show on, on Saturdays at like 11 at night, where he did. Yeah, I, his I show was it. called Teenage Wasteland, but he'd play like obscure 45s from 1965, you know, yeah. out of, you know, a small town in Texas where it was yeah. only released regionally or something, you know. Yeah, yeah um, pretty cool. 1966 was his year. Uh, that that's the benchmark for Bill's show. 
uh, yeah. which, which, you know, and, and things beyond that. You yeah. Know, place, some modern stuff. But, uh, so sorry, I took that side note, but you were on the Kinks no. move. So do well, you well, want well, to I, I, mentioned, I, I mentioned I'm not like everybody else. So that was, that yes. was the lead into it. Okay, yep. so like Mark said, uh, Waterloo Sunset, my favorite Kinks song. Me too. 1967. Uh, amazing song. Yeah. And it's been covered so well. Uh, your favorite, one of your favorites, Barry Victoria, came out in 69. That was 1969, and, really? Yeah, I thought that was the 70s. And then Lola, which has been played to death. It's a great song, but that, that's like uh, the Maggie May. If I hear it again, I don't Yeah, know. I don't need to hear that yeah. anymore. Hey, oh, that's yeah. a great song. And it's interesting, given, Did, you know. Um, didn't David yeah. Watts come out in the 60s? David Watts? What? David Watts. You know that tune? Um, Wish no, I could be sure. like David Watts. Da, 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 Interesting. Da, 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 da. Was that on the preservation? We were the preservation hall society thing, or not? I think it's on Schoolboys in Disgrace. Okay. Well, I don't uh, know. I, though, I, was, I was listening more of the well-known singles, but that's yeah, that's, yeah. But, but I um, understand that on on the BBC, you cannot promote a product. So apparently, that song Lola had tastes like Coca-Cola, and they couldn't play it because really? it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. They, so they say, have been banned because they it's a Coca-Cola. Well, they, was, may, they may have changed it, but it was originally it tasted like Coca-Cola. And they would buy it on the BBC. Cola. Yeah, it's like Coca-Cola. disco lemonade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that song's creepy. <laughs> yeah, uh, Lola is there to them what Lucky Man is to Emerson, like in Palmer. It's like, don't want to hear it anymore. Just yeah. Tired of it, um, yeah. But but so, it's it, interesting to me that uh, sorry, Lou, that uh, no. you know I I remember listening to Milk Crate's Turntables and the, they did a show on these uh, siblings in the band and like what is it with these friggin' British brothers like they they hate each other like I don't get Oasis it, man. yeah you know yeah, yeah Oasis and the, the Davies brothers it's I brothers can't stand that guy from Oasis buddy. either by the way the, the singer or, singer. They, or no the singer, the singer come on all right you know. Yeah, yeah. All right, you're you're a little snotty punk. I get it. Yep, you're sixty. Hold on. But my, I, uh, have you ever seen the Kinks? The wanker. What's that? Anybody? Well, no, Mark. You've seen the Kinks, right? Uh for some yeah, reason, yeah. in my high school years, I saw them like five freaking times. Every time they that came is to so the cool, area, man. and they wow. were like, really, you know. And it's funny. I I don't want to go ahead of where you are with the Kinks, but they got their revenge in that. Yeah, they lost some momentum with the U.S. But when they yeah. signed to Arista Records, they became an arena rock band, man. They yeah. put out some really good music. Really? Because well, when well, I well, saw them, I saw them in Asbury Park. It was 3,000 seats. Well, wow. so leading up to that point, Mark, I mean, yeah. going into the 70s, you know, they had, um, remember the song Supersonic Rocket Ship? Yes. I can't hum it out, but if I heard it, it's, you heard it on the radio. Like, oh, that's a I may have it. heard it, yeah. And then uh, Celluloid Heroes was the big song. That's a great song. Because if you covered yeah. him in garbage. It, it wasn't big enough. Don't step on Greta it Garbo. Looks like Lou, Lou may have froze. Yeah, Can you no, still hear us, Lou? No, nah, I think he's just resting, you know? Okay. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, like I, I think I mentioned uh, the other week that Celluloid Heroes, like, he was disappointed that it, he thought that was going to be their imagine or that was going to be their giant, yeah. giant hit. And they're trying you know? to reclaim momentum in the United States after losing it. And uh, I would have thought it. Yeah, I was this record's going to be huge. Maybe it was too long. It's about a six minute song. So, you know, yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, no, they, they have the most unique catalog of most British groups like the who. Yeah. The who it uh, not knocking who they're great and everything, but the kinks went totally left field, totally right field. They actually got a little more normal when they became an arena rock band. They just became a great rock band. Well, uh, 
you know, and also, you know, the whatever, like the punks were, punks became, they loved the kinks. Yeah. You yeah. know, they were just cool. Yeah. I, I, Lou, Lou was suspended in time, so I'm sure he'll be back. He'll re-log in. I think maybe the Kinks lawyer suspended him. I don't know. You know? So I, <laughs> I listened to uh, a few things. Yeah. I listened to uh, uh, an album I haven't heard, listened to in a while. I had it, and it was Deep Purple, Who Do We Think We Are? Mm. And My Woman from Tokyo. Great rock song. You know, I, I listened to it in the headphones, you know, do, so we all know how it goes. But it, it was so cool in the sense that, you know, John Lord is in the, my right ear. Mm-hmm. Richie Blackmore's in my left ear. And like, so, you know, when I listened to it when I was a kid, you know, be it as I listened to it on my little cassette player or, you know, on the stereo at somebody's house, but in the headphones, you know, mostly it was, you know, the, 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 um, the Hammond organ with uh, John Lord through the yeah. Marshall amp. Of course, that yeah. was his, that was his sound. But in the left channel, Richie Blackmore, like, wow, this guy was like the riffs. Just yep. the grooves he was playing while all this, you know, and bam, you, you know bam, what I mean? Bam, 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 yeah, but I bam, mean, as, 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 the, as, the lyri- as the verses are happening, yeah. if you listen closely to what he's playing, it is really, really cool. You know, when you got John Lord as your keyboardist, you don't have to worry about banging out these bar chords like Pete Townsend had to do. Yeah. Blackmore was able to do some chicken picking in there and do interesting things, and John Lord was the meat. You know, he was he was adding the heavy stuff. So. Yeah, and who was and uh, do you ever hear a song called Mary Long? Yeah. How did you lose your virginity, Mary? That's Mary Long was yeah. a conservative, uh, I believe, like a media figure in England. I think and, she was a journalist or something. And right? she preached uh, morality. She was our equivalent right. of people today. So yeah, that Ian Gillen writes this song. He say, "How'd but you I, lose I your love, virginity?" I love the melody he plays. It. He goes, uh, "You know, Mary told Johnny not to write such jazz. It was a waste of public money." Like, oh yeah, this is very playful. Yep. Now yep. when they did that album, they were basically broken up by then. Ian Gillen handed in his You're resignation. Kidding. Yeah, really? they didn't tour behind that album. Um. They they may have done right, a few this shows was after but, Made in Japan. Yeah, right? yeah, it was the it was the album after Made in Japan, and Blackmore and Ian Gillen just hated each other at that point. And and, and who's the Martin Birch was still the producer? Was yeah, that think, him? Yeah, and he because he also records? did Stormbringer. Yeah, and he also did um, Burn and Stormbringer too. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to tell you, I was not a Deep Purple, although you know, like uh, that song Burn. Yeah. Richie Blackmore, he is the riff master, man. I'm whoa. That's a great riff. Think about like that's a great riff. Yeah, it's a great, and the whole song is built around that riff, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, And even that album is funny because I always found it fascinating that Richie Blackmore is you do what he says, he controls everything, much to his detriment. How he lost control of the band is just it's weird that Coverdale and Glenn Hughes came in, and you could even hear it on Burn, the the soul influence started coming in. By the time they did so, Stormbringer, that's basically a Blue-Eyed Soul album. And he, so he, you're saying it's pretty much his band. He was the boss. You know, I don't want to say had, that. They had the original. They had the original lineup. Yeah. Right with the other singer Ron Rod or something. Yeah, I can't remember the names, but actually, what I've heard is it was actually John Lord's band. He was kind of the guy that was in control, and right up till they did Concerto for a Group and Orchestra, which was a disaster by many people's estimations i i like the album and i think that's when john lord said okay you know let's get back to basics so 
I think Blackmore really did take over. Like the period with Ian Gillen, there was a power struggle between him and Ian yeah, Gillen. Yeah. But and, interesting to me about these, uh, like say the doors, you know, with yeah. Ray Manzarek, completely different keyboard sound. Yeah. And John Lord with the, with the, through the Marshall amp, that was his deal. Yeah. You know, who, who on earth plugs a friggin' Hammond organ into a Marshall amp, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah. a deep purple sound. You hear it at the beginning of Lazy. That's, you can hear the Marshall yeah, sound. Yeah. It's like, shit, he's, he's distorting his keyboards, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I'm not a big enough fan of Keith Emerson to say, like, you know, like, I mean, I've only heard a couple of Emerson, Lake and Palmer songs. You know, welcome back, my friends. You know, it was, yeah. it was pretty cool, but I don't know. I can't, I haven't heard enough of Keith Emerson to say, to compare to. Uh, so he, he got, you had three other huge guys. keyboardists in the 70s from Britain. You had John Lord, you had Rick Wakeman, and you had Keith Emerson. Keith Emerson, to me, was the most jazzy. And that he could improvise. If you hear some of their live stuff, he he was just stretching out their live version yeah, of yeah, Aquatarchus, yeah. 18 minutes of just noodling. Rick Wakeman was very classically trained. He was less of an improviser and more of a play by the notes. And John Lord was just his own thing. You know, he never tried to be this big. He never tried to be such a virtuoso. He was more of providing textures. Hey, that's yeah, his yep. strength, you know. But what so. I noticed about those Deep Purple uh, from like like some of those songs, like Woman from Tokyo, like the panning back and forth, you know, John Lord's yeah. in this year, Richie Blackmore, then it, then they reverse it. Then, you know, Richie Blackmore's in this year and John Lord's in like, yeah, little, those little playful things, you know, especially, you know, in 1973. Three. Three 73. Yeah. And yeah. also when you listen on headphones, you hear like the phasing uh, on the, on the cymbals and everything, especially yes. in the middle section. Yeah. And yep. you got Ian Gillen with his high vocals. It's a really well-mixed song. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Yep. But I heard, I, you know, I heard, uh, I heard an album by Jeff Tweedy, "Warm." I never heard it before. When did it come out? I don't know. I was listening to uh, Spitify. Wait, I'm the IT um, guy. I'm supposed to find that out. <laughs> oh, it was 2019. Oh, okay. No, 2018. Oh, recent. Yeah, I listened to a couple of songs. Like, wow. Yeah, well, it's Jeff Tweedy. You know. Yeah. Hey, there's yeah. my Wilco mention. <laughs> A ding. <laughs> uh, you know, I was listening to a Steve Wilson album the other day, Perry. Oh. This is all for you, Tom. <laughs> and uh, who does Lou have to mention? Uh, Albert Bouchard. Albert Bouchard. Oh, wait, uh, Blue I, just, I just mentioned him. Fuck. <laughs> I'm not a Blue Oyster Cult guy. Here's, here's my thing. My thing is like, you know, when I was a kid, I liked Kiss. Yeah. But I, when I listen to it now, it's like, I don't know, man. It's just, so I don't understand how, like, you know, if you listen to Blue Oyster Cult when you were 12, does it really have the same effect on you now, 30 years later? Or I think Blue Oyster Cult was your expectation. So when I was young, I always heard Blue Oyster Cult mixed in with Black Sabbath, dark. Like everyone said, oh, they're America's Black Sabbath. So when I started listening to them, I expected to hear Black Sabbath type music. It's not. Yeah. So aside from, I did like some Enchanted Evening, a couple of, but a lot of their stuff, I was like, ugh. Again, what's, what's some Enchanted Evening? What's that? That was a live some album. Enchanted Evening. That <laughs> it's was a live it. album they put out in '76. Uh, the reason I bought it, and I was down at Music Merchant, is it's got a great cover of Death with his scythe on a horse, just going. It's a great cover, but um, you know, it's a lot of your expectations. You expect a band to sound a certain way, you get into them, and then yeah, oh, it's yeah. not what I like. 
in the last, I'd say six, seven years, I've a pre, I got them now. I got it. It's like, you just have to get it. And I always said to Cynthia, yeah, you say, Lou, you just love this band. And Tom Spallone likes them too. He loves Blister Cult. Well, now I get where they're coming from. They're not Black Sabbath at all. They wrote some great pop songs, but they always had that dark mysticism underneath, which I like. I, I, you know, maybe I just never had time for Bloor's yeah. the Cult. You know, like to me, there was like, you know, you're either into Bloor's the Cult or Kiss. So yeah. when I was a kid, you know, it was Kiss. But, you know, come on, I grew up too. You know, by the time, by the time the, uh, I think Bob Ezrin made that record Dynasty, I was like, I'm done with them already. You know? <laughs> yeah. I moved on. I, I like Neil Young now, you yeah. know, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, remember high school? So when I was in high school, I was a metalhead. Everyone was metalhead. So it was either you like yeah. Judas Priest or Iron Maiden. And I was just firmly in the camp of Judas Priest. Based a fight with the Maiden fans. But yep. knowing behind the scenes, I'm like thinking, yeah, Maiden are really great. You know, <laughs> now it's like, yeah, I like them both. But uh, yeah, you, you get lumped in when you're in high school. Well, what do you mean? Like a music click? Yeah. So I was considered a metalhead. Yet I'd go home and I'd be listening to Purple Rain or I'd be listening to uh, Depeche Mode. Well, Depeche Mode was cool because when I was in high school, we had to be beginnings the earliest version of what you could call goths people that you just know, you, know, you, yeah. you know i i, I had a bunch, there were a bunch of guys that i knew that uh they had the bowie haircuts mm. you know I, I guess it, i don't know what it was it was like the the, the mullet or you know the yeah. you know the bowie haircut yeah. you yeah. know and some of them would even dye their hair red or you know or something <laughs> well it's funny you know um so when i was in high school the metalheads, there were certain bands that the metalheads liked. A lot of the metalheads liked R.E.M. And they were nothing near, but there's there was something there. Like a lot of them listened to their early albums. And uh, that's how I got into R.E.M. I'm like, really? You know, this this metal guy likes, you know, it's like, I, I didn't get it. So, well, but, well, that's, that's what's good. The good thing is that there's no telling, you know, what, what will can attract you to a band or, you know, and, right. you know, like, you know, when I was a kid, I used to read these magazines, you know, Cream Magazine or whatever they were, and like Slade, I love Slade. Like, and I'm like, yeah, that's a blonde Telecaster, you know, that's a, yeah, that's a yeah. black Telecaster with a blonde neck, and this guy's playing a Stratocat. Like, you know, I thought I knew all that stuff. Yeah, but it was cool to me. Yeah, you know what's sad? Like, you got those kids that you did go to school with that they liked one kind of music, and that was it. You went over to their house; that's all they had. And then, like they're right, in their forties, right. and they're in their forties and fifties, they're still just listening to that music, and it doesn't matter if it's yeah. metal, REM, Eric Clapton. Just expand your horizons, you know. <laughs> I remember one time in in school, like like oh, there's a party over at you know so and so's house, you know. So we go over there, and oh, they're up in the attic. So you go up in the attic, and all you hear is Pink Floyd playing like Dark Side <laughs> of the Moon, and everyone's just sitting there, nobody's saying a word but they're so stoned out of their heads, yeah. you know, like, they're like, you know, they're just getting into the Pink Floyd, you know. <laughs> I used to listen, when I first got into UFO, my sister is, I think she's your age. When did you graduate high school? Last year. <laughs> okay, all right, so now she's a lot older than you. I'm going to get killed for that one. So I mentioned her, Stace, when you were in high school, did anyone like UFO? And she's like, Oh yeah, that was the pot crowd. That was like, yeah, they got too stoned for me. <laughs> Dude, yeah, like a rock yeah. band, you know. But I didn't, you know. I remember, you know, back then, you know, if you got a dime bag, it cost ten dollars. <laughs> That's what it was. 
Yeah, I'll tell you that, but that's, that's, I was always listening to different things. Nobody liked prog when I was in high school. There was one, my best friend actually was a big prog guy. A um, couple friends, but it was metal. So I'd go home, I'm listening to the Bee Gees. And then I would watch VH1 where Alice Cooper was saying, I didn't tell anybody, but in the 70s, I listened to the BJs. I, the Bee Gees, they were like, great. And, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's unjustified. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff. Oh, that speaking I of to. REM, I have my REM Monster. Nice. REM Monster shirt. Yeah. That Talk about a heavy album for them. That was good. I that, got my yeah, it was Toto. a great record. I'm all slick tonight. Toto. 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 I don't remember what show this was. Me and Toto. Tom. I think it was in lawsuits. New York City. Lawsuits over Toto. Oh, that's a sad story. Yeah. They're going to be back. Give it time. They'll be back. Really? Yeah. They'll work it out. I think something's being re- recorded right now, you know. Um, I assume I was, Lou's rebooting his computer, would yeah. you say? Yeah. Yeah, I have this image of, you ever see Keith Emerson's uh, Moog with the high, the tall, with all yeah, the dials? Yeah, with all the buttons, all the switch, yeah, all yeah, so, the wires, like, so a, Lou's, Lou's tel- like, like this a telephone right operator from 1965. Yeah. Uh, it's like, uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, the world of computers. If we were working on yeah, that I don't know, man. Like, like I, I, I know you guys. You and uh, Tom, Tom Spallone love ELP. I just, I've heard. I, I knew, you know, everybody I knew had those records. You know, I just never got into. Uh, I wasn't into it that much. Like they had a record called Tukus, right? Tarkus, Tarkus, <laughs> Tukus. Wait, <laughs> sat on my Tukus. Uh, so yeah, you know, what? when I was young, remember when you were young, you'd be like, you don't like that band, you gotta like it. You know, I'm like. Hey, I don't expect anybody to like Prague. And I listen to the dead. You know, people were into Jethro Tull, I remember. Like, oh, big time. Everybody had those friggin' records. Thick as a brick, uh, you know, an old Aqualung. Tell you what, I think Tull, if you're going to go like, what's what's Prague in the 70s? Jethro Tull were more of a Prague band than Emerson, Lake, and Palmer because Jethro Tull were very British. They were very similar to, like, um, like I always say, Richard Thompson is yeah, probably the yeah. mo- very British. And so Emerson Lake and Palmer would do blues jams, you know. Uh, Jethro Tull, very regimented. I've seen them a bunch of times, too, and nothing changes. There's no improvisation. And Richie Blackmore himself said, you know, uh, they're one of his favorite bands, but he said, I couldn't play in them because I'd have to do the same thing every night. He does no improvisation with them. That's Well, to me. I remember, like, seeing cover bands, you know, the at the school where they would, you know, somebody would sign a cover band. And this band, I, I don't even know what they were called, but they were so into Jethro Tull and doing everything the way it sounded on the record. So they would, what is that, Aqualung? Uh-huh. And the guy on a stand, he had an acoustic guitar on yeah. the stand. Yeah. So he was the electric guitar player. And then when it came to that soft part, he'd flip his guitar over and come around and grab Aqualung, my friend. Mm-hmm. Don't you start away. Like, Wow, sounds yeah. like the freaking record, you know? Yep, yep. Uh, it's it's they, tough stuff to play. Uh, I was yeah. we we tried to play thick as a brick in one of my bands. We just gave up. I mean, I'm just I'm not that talented. I'm more of improvising, you know. And you got to have the score in front of you, and you're looking at it and stuff. But, uh, yeah, well, I'll tell you what. Oh, I think Lou's coming back here. <laughs> He's back. Welcome back, my friends, <laughs> to the show that never ends. I've been gone for how long? Uh, Lou, 
It's okay, man. Lou, it's not. we did a, a PBS fundraiser while you were gone. We took phone calls, go, money. Go you know. fuck me, site. We took, uh, we took, uh, yeah, we did a GoFundMe for your uh, Wi-Fi. So we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna send you a new Wi-Fi unit. Thanks. I blipped. <laughs> I need a laptop. I need a laptop. Yeah. Well, so I was talking to Mark about. Uh, we we'll, we'll, were talking hang on, about. Hang on. We, we just to say we left at the Kinks, and that wasn't supposed to be the main thing I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about some British invasion bands that were not as well known, but we got on the Kinks thing, so that's cool. But um, yeah, so we were. Where did you guys We were just off? actually we were talking about English bands. So uh, you want to keep rolling with uh, where you were going to go after the Kinks? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll be real quick because we were talking about Waterloo Sunset. Hey, and Mark, no, you don't said have to rush, Lou. Come on, man. You're amongst friends, right? I was I was gone for five years. <laughs> you're in a time quantum realm. You're in a quantum time realm is different than real time. That's right. You're age. you're in you're in southern time. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, mention Waterloo Sunset. I love that song, and I know Mark so one of your favorites. But that was '67. So I, I think where where we kind of left off was on. Uh, where's that? The big period of theirs. Oh, so they had they had a lull there in the '70s into they the did. early '80s. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they put out some of the albums weren't so critically acclaimed. But anyway. In 1977, they came out strong. Um, remember the song Sleepwalker? Oh, I I'm, love a that. Sleepwalker. I'm a sleepwalker. I had the album. I had the album. Uh, yeah. oh, you did? Okay. Now, the, album was called, sound... the album was called Sleepwalker, Sleep. I believe. Okay. Yeah. That was compared to um, Steve Biller Band, like Take the Money and Run. Yeah, hmm. it's, yeah it's very similar. But, All right. Yeah, but that whatever. same year they had one, one of my favorites is Jukebox Music. Yeah. Only Jukebox Music. Yep. Only Jukebox only music. music. Yeah. And I just love Jukebox. Um, Incidentally, also that same year, that year, that? that was the first yeah. album they did for um, Clive Davis, uh, Arista. So they went under oh, okay. Clive Davis's wing. Okay, you saw the change in the music. They started to get yeah. more just traditional rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is something. But they were being true to themselves. It wasn't yeah. them playing, you know, like you know, hair metal or hair band stuff. It was basically they always had that rock edge, but they kind of crystallized it. But um. um the best rock and roll Christmas song, in my opinion, was Father Christmas. Came That's out what I was just going to say. When did they do Father Christmas? Give us some money. 77. Well, 77. Yeah. Um, also, you know, that's at the dawn of the punk movement, too. And you know, that song's about a bunch of punks anyway. It's about a bunch of little Christmas hooligans roughing up Santa Claus. Yep. Um, and also, there's some class warfare going on there, too. Um, with the little rich boy. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Um, a rock and roll fantasy, 1978. Was that the yeah, Misfits? I'd have to hear it. Was that Misfits, that album? Uh, I don't know. Rock and Roll Fantasy, I think it was on Misfits, because the song Maybe. Misfits, I think they're both on the same album. Could well, be when I hear album. that, I think of Bad Company. Yeah. It's well, it song. wasn't too long off the mark. When did, when did Bad Company, Rock and Roll Fantasy, 79? That was 79, so Misfits and uh, Rock yeah. and Roll, uh, that was 77. That, that song, Rock and Roll Fantasy, the lyrics are great. It just talks about a guy on my block. There's a guy who he lives for rock. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's rock. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's great. It's a pretty long song too, isn't it? Yep, it's kind of like kinda a longer. celluloid hero song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, in 1979, another trifecta. Wish I could uh, fly like Superman. Wish mm-hmm. I could fly. That was I them like, doing yeah. disco, wasn't it? Was that them doing disco? But this is when they were like rebounding now, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, they, they, they were. Yeah. They, they're four hits into a, a streak right there. So they were definitely rebounding. Yeah. I want to be like be Superman. Like Superman. Yeah. And one that is very apropos to the current times, a gallon of gas. Yes. I can score you some Coke and some green hot gas, I, never, I don't I remember hearing that. I can buy a gallon but, of gas. Yep. 
it's, 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 a, it's a it's a typical blues beat there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oddly enough, on um, an album called Low Budget. Low Budget, that that's right, Mark. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That was also at the height of the whole malaise of the 70s, the ending of the Carter presidency. That was, you know, the beginning of the, the new conservative movement in America. And then England. We're, going, we're going through inflation. Yeah. And I it was thought you said England. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm on a low budget. Um, also, uh, Catch Me Now, I'm Falling. Catch now, me now. Clear boy. something up for me. I'm not that smart with lyrics. That song was evidently very controversial for the lyrics. Now, I don't know what he's singing about. I believe Catch, he's Catch singing it to America. Captain America. Just, it, yeah. yeah. Um, we're down on my knees. Um, this is, this, so I'm calling all citizens from all over the world. This is Captain America calling. Yeah. We bailed you out when you were, we were down on our knees. Once you catch us now, we're falling. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty, you know. And it's yeah. it's true, it's it's true today too. That that's yeah. come full circle. That whole yeah. He, and now Ray Davies is known as one of the great auteurs, whatever that means. Like you know, that's more than an author. Yeah. Uh, like with Pete Townsend of rock and roll. I mean, the guy yeah, wrote yeah. really well. Uh, he was called a rock and roll ball sack, not a ball sack, <laughs> but a ball sack. Is that like Seymour Bucks? <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so now, the ball that, sack. now here here come the eighties, and uh, remember the song Better Things. Yeah. 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 Love that's, it. that's a, a great nice song. song. I like that yeah, song. It is. That yeah, was that sentiment. And then I'm um, also Destroyer. Now, Destroyer 1901, that was the beginning of the ham fisted era. The ham fisted drum era. Yeah. Um, the drum. The... <laughs> that's when um, I got into the kids. I was in seventh yeah. grade in Zion, Lutheran, and we used to take our boom boxes to school. And I heard some eighth grader playing Destroyer. And I'm listening. I'm like, <laughs> this is tough stuff. So I went out and I got that album. Uh, what an album! Very, very powerful. I mean, give the people what they want. They got a piece of the yeah. president's brain. Mark, you know? you're a renegade, man. Boom boxes in school. Oh, we would all. All right. Well, just to divert real quick. So the big albums when I was in seventh and eighth grade was give the people what they want and combat rock from the Clash. And we would sit in that cafeteria, Perry, downstairs and blast. So you'd have the eighth graders at one table blasting their stuff. We're at the other table blasting. It was a great time. And nobody stopped us. They're like, cool, let it go. And having the, having the clash and the kinks on the same uh, yeah. menu. Yeah. Um, that shows you how I, I don't think the kinks were ever derided by the punk movement. But I, you know, they were, were they ever considered the dinosaurs? I don't know. Because no, 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 I think the punks respected uh, them the most. Yeah, they did. Yeah. 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 Yep. I mean, just by your, I mean, you really got those early power singles. Even with the Who also. Yeah. Um, whenever they came after, and the Who were great after that. And the but attitude. Those early, those also. early power singles, man. You can't top that. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, the big, um, the biggest fan of uh, Ray Davies was Paul Weller. Hold on, I just dropped another, you know, for Tom. Paul Weller dropped. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was his biggest fan. Oh, Lou, while you were off, I mentioned Jeff Tweedy, so I got my. Uh, I'm oh, mention. you did? Okay. Yeah. What did you guys talk about? And we mentioned Bluers to Cult because you had, you know, you had Fuckers? checked out temporarily. <laughs> How did you mention Bluers to Cult? In what context? I was kind of making fun of him, so I'm sorry. <laughs> wait, 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 come on, talk to me. No, I want to hear this. Don't do this behind my back. I was just saying that I'm, I was never a fan of Bluers to Cult. To me, it was like, you know, you were Kiss or Bluers to Cult, you know, and I was on the Kiss side, you know. But I was saying now, I was saying to Mark that, you know, if I listen to Kiss now, I'm like, yeah, it's not that good, man. It's just... Super compressed stuff. You know, it doesn't have the same effect on me when I was 14 years old. Okay. That was Bob Ezrin? Yeah. At this point. There wasn't too much you could do with that band, was there? No, no. I I was, in fact, I said when Bob Ezrin produced that Destroyer record for them, which had, you know, 
Detroit, Rock City. That I was out of there. I was done with them by then. Yeah. Well, at this point in the podcast tomorrow, Tom's going to be going, stop talking about Blue Oyster Cult for the love of God. Hey, it's not easy. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> the Blue, Blue Oyster crap. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. I'm sorry. All right, as long as you don't pick on Oyster Zebra. Cr- if you pick on yeah, Zebra, no, no, I'm really going to Lou, Lou, I said to Mark before while you while you were off, I said, I, I never had time for them. Mark. I never had time for them. So I will learn when I will catch up to Blue Oyster Cult 40 years after the fact. Listen will, to the first album. Yes. Uh, you've first been album. telling me that, and I haven't found the yeah. time yet. But now that I have Spitify, maybe I will. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's seventy it's seventies rock and roll a lot of guitar, but lyric they, they were lyrically they were cool they they were just different it was this interesting very stuff. mystical anyway, mystical um, and so dark the, the kinks and we'll get out of there yeah um not my favorite song nineteen eighty two come dancing that's their musical English musical and yeah 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 it was, yeah. A, it was a, it's a, I mean the song's as catchy as all that was out, it was a fun just, song yeah 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 they they knocked in the patty but that um, album I bought the album and it didn't hit me like. Uh, give the people what they want. It was kind of like a little lighter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and does that have also a Don't Forget to Dance? Yeah. That's another one. That's another um, that kind of um, dance. Um, sentimental. Um, Ray being sentimental. Yeah. When uh, was the, had... uh, when she said come dancing, when was that? The 80s, like MTV time, right? 82. Four, early, early, yeah. Yep. 82. Oh, 82. Okay. 82, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I like the keyboards. Did, did, did... I like the keyboards on that song. Yep. And horns too, yeah. Yeah. Um, down by the Garden Gate. Uh, state of Confusion. I'm in a state. State yeah. of Confusion. Yeah. Back to the Rock. Yeah. Did you well? Um, do it again. 1984. Great song. Great Go song. Do it again. Do it that, again. And that was like their last big album. That's the years like they were torn behind that. Um, there's also another song off that album, Lou. It's uh, Walking on a uh, Thin Line. Living on a Thin Living Line. A sung th- by Dave. Great song. Great Dave song. Davies lead vocal. Yep. yep. Living in there, there was no England anymore. He said he said no that old song about anymore. the clown, didn't he? Something about tears of a clown or that death of a clown. That death was of a, a clown. Single, yeah. Oh wow. Okay. But living oh, on a thin that, line. That was a solo. Yeah, yeah. But living on a thin line made a great appearance in the Sopranos. It really was. That's right. Yeah. That's right. It yeah. did. Okay. So how about this you know, lesser known, lesser known British invasion band? Lesser known. Um, some people don't know Herman's Hermits. You know, they were in there, but you know, that's all part of the Mersey Beat thing. But they had a lot of hits, uh, Herman's Hermits. But, yeah, you know, they never wrote any, for. but they, they interpreted it. No, uh, yeah. no Miss, Mrs. Brown, Henry VIII. Um, Mrs. Brown, uh, you've got I'm to in, love I'm into something dog. good. Yeah, I'm into something yeah, good. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Um, their version of Silhouettes is really good. Silhouettes, well, how does that go? Silhouettes, silhouettes, oh, they did that, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Peter um, knew now. He, he's he, only 40 now. He's only 40 now. and because he was like six when he... Yeah, those right. he's on the, he's on the he has a 60s show called something good with peter noon on xm yeah yeah so he's still okay so is peter asher peter asher at the Beatles show i like peter um, asher i just heard him on, which, on a uh, podcast oh he's great uh peter yeah. and gordon they're, they're next you know uh, peter asher was the brother of jane asher who was paul mccartney's girlfriend during the height of the whole Beatlemania thing so him and gordon waller w-a-l-l-e-r uh they had their own hit they had a number one hit with paul mccartney's world without love yeah. Do you know why John Lennon thought that song was so funny? The first lines are, please lock me away. <laughs> yeah, and, so, and yeah, I, I recently heard Peter Asher interviewed on, uh, I think it was, uh, 
I don't know if it was Gilbert Gottfried's podcast or Mark Maron, but anyway, he had said that the, John hated that friggin' song, hated it. So, you know, Paul would present it to him going, Beatles please lock me away. He goes, that's it, done, lock the song up. We're not, <laughs> we're not doing it. And yeah. so Peter Asher, uh, Peter Asher uh, wanted, came to Paul and said, Paul, can we do this? And can you write a, can you write a middle eight for it, by the way, too? And he did. Yeah. Yep. A baby of it. I mean, it's a very melodic song. I mean, McCartney's song. Yeah, but um, it's not said, a, it's not Beatles material. No, no. no. But they covered Del Shannon's "I Go to Pieces." I go to pieces, and it's a pretty song. Oh, that that was a Del Shannon song, really? Evidently, evidently. That's a nice Del song. Shannon. I go to pieces. Yeah, I like that song. Yeah. He was almost a Wilbury. He was almost a traveling um, Dingleberry. Yeah. <laughs> they don't travel. They stay. They're Klingons. Anywho, <laughs> right. um, now they also did. <laughs> To know you is to love you. Do you know who you know? You is to you know who wrote that? Jackie Duchenne. I don't you know. know. <laughs> um, producer of the era, extraordinaire, giant, a titan, a colossus. Okay, hold on. American. Oh yeah. I mean the big What's guy. What's the song? The Let me have a guess. The song is. Him is to love you. In my breath away, then you know. Ooh, knowledge. What is it, man? Bill Spector. Wow. Wrote it Murderous by himself. son of a bitch. Uh, Wrote it by himself. That, it, it, it's, 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 uh, said Phil Spector on the article I read. Well, he's a did dead he? son of a bitch now, isn't he? He's a, he died in prison. Oh, well. Is he, did he really write it? Or is he being well, like Hesh, you know? Yeah. I think not. He didn't yeah. have to. He, didn't he have could to write a song. Hesh. He could write a song. But, you know, my, my I, I, was but Hesh. we can still discuss Phil Spector and say, you know, wow, he did some great work. I'm, he know. was a genius. He was a genius. Right. He was a nut job. Nutty genius. But, uh. I and I will say River Deep Mountain High is not a good song. It is not a good song. I don't I don't think it is. It is. Not, it, in fact I it's a bad it's a melody too, a bad it's a melody. Bad, it's yeah. a bad Perry, you're right. I, I mean yep. people like people seem shocked that that was his the beginning of the you know, the wall of sound, but I, I heard that I'm like I I mean I'm not a big fan of Tina and Turner's voice either. Nothing against her personally or as an artist, but it just that song just didn't yeah. do it for me. Huh? That was uh, the decline of Phil Spector's, you yeah. know, the golden era was ending Inti- right there. Until, until the Beatles and George Harrison all things went past. Like, that was, well, and that the was probably his end of the yeah, century. Yeah. yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, so uh, they, did a song, um, this is, they did a song called Woman by McCartney, who went by the name of Bernard Webb on this one for some reason. Paul used the uh, nom de plure, Bernie Webb. And um, they covered True Love Ways by Buddy Holly. But um, Peter Asher went on to produce uh, Linda Ronstadt, Neil Diamond, and 10,000 Maniacs. Hmm. Um, what was a big hit? Like the weather? Cool. Uh, 10,000 Maniacs. Because like the weather. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was Peter yeah, there Asher. Was, there, was, there was a guy named Buck in the band, too, right? Like, Rob, uh, Rob Buck. Rob, Rob Buck. Buck, yeah. He's, he and Jerry, away, Augu- unfortunately. Jerry Augustiniak, who they made wear a wig because he was bald. That's bullshit. With your hair band? You're all Turner bands. So that's what's the matter. Anyway, hmm. well, something wrong uh, with hair, guys. Hair's good. Come on. Fuck you. Whatever. <laughs> okay, so how about this one? Now, one of my favorites of that era was uh, and Jerry and the Pacemakers. Mm. Uh, they were part of the Mersey Sound. They wrote a lot of and Jerry Marsden. They, were, wrote a lot of those they were the Mersey Sounds, yeah. Yeah, and I think he had a really great voice. What Ferry was their, what were some of their hits? Okay. Uh, Ferry uh, Cross the Mersey. Ferry Cross the Mersey. Mersey. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, yeah, that's a nice song. Yeah. You guys know I'm a Liverpool fan, so say it, Lou. Okay. Uh, What's no, the song? Song. You'll never walk alone. Oh, you never walk. Okay. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, cool. Is that, on the, is that on my list? Is, it wasn't on my list. I don't know how that goes. 
Oh, it's great. I'll even, it, you know, it's okay. this day at the start of every Liverpool game, the whole stadium sings a song. They play it over wow. the PA and okay. 80,000 people sing it. It's just, yeah, it's All a right. great song. Oh, God. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Don't let something catch you crying. That's the other thing. Uh, the other yeah. one is the Dave Clark Five, who had more hits than anybody. The Dave Clark has more appearances on the Ed Sullivan Show than any other band, apparently. Now, they had some really nice, upbeat songs. Like They uh, did. Um, uh, they um, had, the Pieces, uh, Bits. Is that them? Bits and Pieces. Um, yeah. Catch Us If You Can. Which That was also the name of the... They did, they did a movie. They had a Dave Clark Five movie. It was called Catch Us If You Can. Really? Um, that all over. Yes, I'm in. Oh, yeah. H- having a wild weekend. And great drumming. Beca- great drumming. Yeah, a real, real heavy, yeah. you know, but it was, it was good, though. He stomped a lot. Um, because was more of their lighter affair. And I think the keyboard player is saying that. Yeah. Um, can't you see that she's mine? What was her big um? Yeah, Is that the one that goes, there. can't you see that she's mine? That's them? That's Dave Clark Five. Yeah, I'm a long, long time. And um, I will stay, stay, stay. We will stay, 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 stay. Nobody will love me. <laughs> you got your echo. All you got the your, time. Your, your cousin Bruce. Echo, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm feeling. There we go. Um, <laughs> yes, but they, they, had, they had a huge amount of hits. But Dave Clark was a drummer. Um, I think him and one of the other guys, keyboard player, I think, wrote the material. Um, yeah, he went on to become a businessman. So also, uh, uh, Petula Clark, uh, 15 top 10 hits, Downtown, I Know a Place, Sign of the Times, uh, Don't Sleep in the Subway, Darling. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but this, this one's more obscure, Billy J. Kramer and the Dakotas. Yeah, so I heard by of Brian them. Epstein. Uh, the J came about because John Lennon said, you should add something in the middle there. So Brian, Lennon suggested these letter J. Uh, they bad to me, which I think is Lennon McCartney's song. It is. It is if a Lennon McCartney song. Yeah. Um, I'll keep you satisfied. And from a window, which I don't know those songs were also Lennon McCartney. Yeah, me neither. Uh, the biggest hits. The biggest hit was Little Children. Little Children. Dun, 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 written by Mort Schumann and somebody else. Um, oh, those are Brill Building guys. Yeah, and one of my favorites are the Searchers. Their British Invasion. Uh, they toured well into the seventies. Um, Needles and Pins. They did. Uh, Jack Nitschke, yeah. Needles and Pins, and Sonny Bono. Um, what have they done to the rain? Don't throw your love away. Um, Sweet for my sweet, uh, sugar and spice. When you walk in the room, the Jackie DeShannon song that's been yep. covered by everybody. Yep. Great song. Don't throw your love away. And they did a version of Love Potion number nine that was done by the Clovers originally. Um, but they have a little footnote note in history. Uh, right after the, the Beatles hit in that February, they were the, tied with the swinging blue jeans about having a hit. The first English bands that had hits right after the Beatles had that top wow. of the market thing. Wow. So the Swingin' Blue Jeans had a hit uh, covered with a hippie, hippie shake. The hippie, now, you hippie mentioned shake. just before, you just mentioned the song, the group, The Clovers. Elvis Costello wasn't in a group called that band, was that, he? That was, that was Clover. That, that was Clover. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was the news minus Huey Lewis. But yeah, Clover. The Clovers said, I took my troubles down to Madame Lou. The Gypsy with the Gold Cap. Um, yeah, but, and so then after that, um, so yeah, so the Searchers, they had an 80s version, too. That, you gave me a Searchers album that has nothing to do with who they are. They did a version of Switchbox Susan. I don't know. Yeah. And, um, also, yeah. Dusty, Dusty Springfield was considered a British Invasion female singer, and she was amazing. She was the best of the best. In of she was great. She was great. Yeah. yeah. Um, I Only Want to Be With You. She had hits with that. Uh, the Look of Love, the Bacharach David song. Yep. Isn't that a Bond movie? Yeah. Or a movie. Um, son of a preacher man, of course, 1968. Um, she's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay, stay a while. Wait, so Dusty Springfield, she did 
I only want to like who else recorded? I only like, want to be with you. Yeah. Yeah. Some it was recorded by a few people that made it famous, right? Um, yeah. I just want to be yeah. with you. Yeah. Oh, it was like Sean okay, Cassidy yeah. or Leaf Garrett yeah. or somebody like Leaf, that, right? Leaf yeah. Garrett. Yeah, some, pop star stuff. Yeah. Lesser talented uh, pop Ti- idol, yeah. Tiger Beat magazine kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, she she also did um You Don't Have to Say You Love Me. You don't have to say you yeah, love me. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Hey, um, hey, hey. Wishing guys, and Hoping. Guys, yes. I Only Want to Be Fox With Fox You was, ho- was covered by my favorite bands, Hootie and the Blowfish. And it was also covered by the Bay City Rollers. It was the Bay City wow. Rollers, yeah. The, the Bay Scottish. City Rollers. Yeah, yep. Charlie, put on oh, the Bay City Rollers. Nick, how about Nick Lowe? Go, roller show. Going to see the rollers. Got a ticket yeah. for the Bay City oh, Rollers. That's a Nick really? Lowe. Nick Lowe had a song, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yep. Was he being, was, he being, was there a parody? The song's called Roller funny? Show. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, so uh, Dusty also had Wishing Hoping. Now, she had a, a uh, late 80s hit with the Pet Shop Boys. What have I done to deserve this? What have really? I, what have I? What have I done to deserve this? Um, Scott McLean knows this one because he was a big Pet Shop Boys. Going to go. Uh, we got to throw Pet Shop Boys Boom. into that thing. And right? we should thank Scott McLean of Milk Crates and Turntables for ha- having a song. Absolutely, uh, should be there next time. Um, if anyone listening to this show likes what we do, Milk Crates is just like that. If you just like to hear people sitting around talking about music who have an unhealthy affection for all music, <laughs> listen to the, that show as well. Milk Crates and Turntables. And also, I saw his um, the King of Facebook. Uh, a Facebook one where he ate a peanut butter and mayonnaise. K-O-F-D, I yeah. missed it. I missed it. <laughs> He's got the Mazzola margarine crown on too. So it's great. Um, yeah. So she's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, she was inducted two weeks after her death. She died of breast cancer. Yeah. Um, Elton John inducted her and said she was the greatest white singer ever. Um, also, and this, this is one too. I never knew they were English. Manfred Mann. I thought yeah. they were American. No, Manfred Mann. No, they're, they're English. Yeah. Well, no, their, their early hits are great. Uh, Do I Diddy? That was written by Jeff Barry and Ellie Greenwich. Yeah, uh, that's Shalala, that's... Shalala, yeah. Um Klaus Vorman played with them at one point. He, he joined them in like '68, I think. He did, really? Okay. Yeah. Was yep. he on that? Was he on that? Oh, so he, was he in the Earth Band? If you go up on the, on these video yeah. services, you can see Klaus Vorman playing bass, lip syncing okay. on uh, right. on some of these some of these shows. You, yep. you well, think... well, they, they had they were they were a big influence on Bruce Springsteen. I was going to say, um, though, the reason you think they're American is because they covered Blinded by the Light. Oh, yeah. Well, that was the Manfred Mann's Earth Band. And that was one. I think it's actually early on, Mark, I think maybe before you joined, that was on one of my list of worst covers of all time, in my opinion. <laughs> I never liked it. Is it a like, um, wrapped up like a, I'm not going like to say a it. douche. What? Yeah. It's douche. Mm-hmm. It's douche. Come on, man. Wrapped Bad up choice like a of dump. lyrics. You know, but, yeah. but what it did was it goes, oh, controversial. He, he, he says douche. Did you hear this? Yeah, douche. In, you know, like, in 1977, yeah, you've got to listen hell. to this. You've got to listen to this. Yeah. You, you were allowed two hells and three dams on television back then. <laughs> I remember um, a friend of mine called me up on the phone and he goes, you got to turn on Channel 9. There's this guy screaming at people. And it was Morton Downey Jr. like screaming at people. Yeah. That was the beginning of the Western civilization. Uh, so then there's also, I have a little wrap this up. Chad and Jeremy. Uh, they had some hits. A summer song that was mentioned on the the summer songs yeah. last week. Yep. Um, yeah. So they, they, apparently they were on a couple of TV shows. They were on Batman, the Batman hmm. TV show with Adam West. Really? I'd like to see that. Yeah. Uh, Dick Van Dyke. There, they did an appearance on the Patty Duke show. Um, another one is a lesser known, maybe Scylla Black. She was the Brian Epstein 
protege, but she yeah, had some yeah. Shows. I think George Alf- Harrison uh, had liked liked her. Yeah. Okay, but she did Alfie. What's it all about, Alfie? And really? well, so did heart. so did Dion Warwick. Okay, I I think if anyone had a heart, it was Dion Warwick too. But also, this one's kind of goofy. Freddie and the Dreamers from yeah, Manchester. They they had that song. They had the dance craze. The Freddie, do the Freddie. That's what they were American. Wow. <laughs> kind of goofy stuff, but the Freddy was written by Doc Pomus. Uh, really? Doc Pomus was? What, yeah, yeah. He, more brill building great, people. Yeah. Mark, Doc Pomus, Mort Schumann, they wrote yep. a ton of close classic songs. So if we can just go to Doc Pomus for a second, this is just a, a lowdown. Uh, his name's Jerome Salon Felder. His brother was uh, Raul Felder, the famous lawyer. But uh, the, the songs that he wrote, Young Blood, with Libra and Young Blood. Blood. Yep. A Teenager in Love, Biggie. Uh, Save the Last Dance for Me. Uh, this magic moment. Is that Jay wow, Black? great song. This yeah, tragic um, moment, very and this big, one, very big. Turn one. me loose, Fabian, <laughs> Fabiano, Fabian, Fabiano Fratelli, you know, Yeah, that's and part also of the us. Italo rock segment, right? Yeah, yes, it was. <laughs> and sweets for my sweet. I was covered by the Searchers. Uh, Little sister, one of my favorite Elvis songs. That's a great song. That is yeah, a great, yeah, great song. Yeah. Uh, he wrote another uh, uh, suspicion. Uh, Terry, Terry something. You know the song Suspicion? Suspicion. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah great song. And also, um, another great Elvis song, Marie's the Name of His Latest Flame. Dun, 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 dun. Marie's the Name of His really? Latest Flame. Dun. Yeah. Um, so just a great songwriter, but lumped in with that. But that was the British Invasion. Not talking about the Beatles. The Stones. But the Kinks, they got their own thing. They were in their own world, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like you, like you said, Lou, is the the little band that could have, but didn't, but then they did it yeah. later on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, and, you know, they kind of got, they got banned for being a bunch of punk asses. Though. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's rock and roll. That's pretty rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So I listened to, um, I listened to a mono version of the Beach Boys. I get around in mono and, you know, it's so much better at times in mono. It's like the way you remember it when you were a kid. The way Brian can hear it. Yeah, I guess one. Yeah, one speaker. Yep. <laughs> Mary whacked him up the head one too many times and deafened him. <laughs> That's too bad. What a sick fucker. Making him, you know, use on a, a paper plate. The whole use thing. A yeah. Paper plate. <laughs> I told you a story about. That. Then, then there's also there's also the taking out of the glass eye and rolling it on a table. Ooh, I had a father, a, a friend of my stepfather's had a glass eye, and one Fourth of July, he got drunk, and uh, uh, Anthony and I were young, and we're at a table. His name, his nickname was Soxy. I don't know what that means? He took out that glass eye, and it was like <laughs> that was a horror movie. Sick. Fuck. But but I also heard a song that you commented on, uh, Lou, is "Got to Get You Into My Life" by Shit, the Beatles. Bro. And yeah. you said you didn't like the Mark drum sound. That. You didn't like the drum sound, or you didn't like no. the horn sound, or something. I... No, no, no. It, it was it was the drums. The way the drums were recorded, the tom toms. Ringo's doing some great fills. They're completely lost in the mix. See, I don't know if that's a when mix. I listened to it, I had the headphones on, and I'm like, you know, I remember you commenting on it, but I'm like, well, it sounds very Motown like. So in other words, the drums did sound Motown like, yeah. as did the horns. It's, so, it's you know what the whole arrangement and the mix. It gives me anxiety. It's like I shouldn't be not liking a Beatles song, but it's like the one song for them. It's hard for me to listen to. Yeah, it's, I, I think it's it's just, I don't get it. And that, that's a re, uh, that was a reissue in 1976. Yeah. So, I mean, didn't did yeah. George Martin have anything? To, uh, did they have any control of that? Was that just 
Capital EMI or Apple, whoever was in charge of the the business at that point. You know? No, no, um, I think they just decided like it was just it just too much horns. I think for the song. Well, what sounds great about it is that guitar break. Yes, yes. Yep. I mean that's yep. that's that, that's the Beatles. You know, that, the vocal yeah, is great. Yep. My my only problem is I don't I have to listen next time I hear it for the horns, but it's not the snare drum, the bass drum. It's just. I, and I don't know, I've never listened to headphones, so I don't know if the drums, you know, they sometimes they move them over to one side or another. Yeah, yeah. But for some reason, those tom-toms got lost. You know? Yeah. So it's I listened to something else, Lou, in deference to you. I listened to and I listen closely with headphones to 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover, Steve Gadd on ah, drums. Yeah. And wow, yeah. this guy, wow, man. And what yeah. gets me about it is, it's a light production. There's not very much going oh. on. No. In other words, the, the, Steve Gadd yeah, is light. very light. There's very little instrumentation. Yeah. You know, there's a little electric piano or something and maybe some strumming. But Steve Gadd, he's like, it's almost a lead instrument in there with that, with that steady thing going all the way through. How many notable drum intros are there, really? True. You know, and... and, and... That's one where <clears throat> it's not just an intro. Like you know, if you think about um, a Badlands, if like Bruce Springsteen, bitta boom boom, bitta boom. That's a drum intro, but it's very short. This is a whole integrated. And if you see him play, I do a bastardized version of it. <laughs> I was playing the guitar bar one time, and before we we're playing, I'm like, I want to see if I can pull this. So I did this. I call it a bastardized version. Steve Gow would be like, stop, stop. And Mark the goes, don't spoil them. I said, I'm not, you know, I said, I'm faking this. And it sounded kind of real, but yeah. he's doing things with his left hand on the high that you wouldn't normally do being right. But, but it's also the way it was recorded, the way it was recorded, it's just so perfect. The placement yeah. of the drums throughout the track. Yeah. You know, yeah. you hear it perfectly. I mean, it's one of the lead instruments in the whole song. Is that yeah, that's, steady, that's you know. Long. What album was it? That was that big album. Was it? Not, oh, not I, big I, I don't know what that album wasn't there. Yeah. St- still crazy after all these years. Yeah, that's yep. the album. I wonder who produced that because if you like Paul Simon, when you think about production, I mean, he's not a powerhouse singer. You know, the problem is, it's a very almost a whispered vocal. So it's you don't very, have drums yeah. over that. Yep, it's just everything is in its, its place. It's not in your face. Well, that's what I mean. It's a very small production. Yeah, I, his, I mean, Steve Gadd's work is amazing. I mean, a lot of it, a lot of it was just jazz fusion stuff that I never heard. Is he but still alive? Like, yeah, yeah. As oh, far good. as rock, yeah. I mean, he, he's the drummer on the song Asia by Steely Dan. He's on the album, but that's him on the drums on that song. And that's how a, that was that a so, rock How does Asia go? What, how does that work? I am not a Steely Dan fan, fan, but I've you've heard, heard it. Yeah. You've heard it. Yeah. Yeah. You, you've heard it. Yeah. Yeah. Asia, where my dreams come and the two. That's Steve right. Gadd as well, right? You, but, so. but it's got this instrumental break where the drums, he's just doing these wacky triplet fills and stuff. But I mean, yeah. I mean, it was, it was jazz. I mean, I'll call that jazz rock, but I mean, that was something, you know. 50 Ways I mean, to I Leave 16, Your Lover. 50 Ways to Leave 50 Your ways. Lover came out in 1975. It was produced by Paul Simon and Phil Ramone. Phil Ramone, of Billy, uh, Billy Joel fame. Yeah. Oh. And, and that, um, you know, who played bass? By uh, Julian Lennon. Phil yeah. Ramone produced that, I believe, right? That's right, he did. Yeah. yeah. I guess uh, Julian was a big Billy Joel fan, I think. Well, on that song, Tony Levin plays bass guitar. I didn't know that. And Patty Austin. Ways? Bass. Yeah. And Patty Austin, Valerie Simpson, and Phoebe Snow sing backup. Are the background Phoebe singers. Snow. Yeah. 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 Wow. And in fact, that was, that was, I'm glad you mentioned who they were because the background vocal is like, it's a very, like I said, it's a very small production, but yeah. the, 
everything was placed yeah. perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Perfectly. So it was Phil Ramone, you said, yeah. right? Yeah. And wow. as far as also fitting, fitting well with the mid seventies mellow. In the well, let me tell you, type. thumbs you know, up these, Phil Ramone, not, man. Yeah. Yeah. Thumbs uh, up I mean, for that one. Even the, even if you're not a Billy Joel fan, some of the stuff I heard Allentown the other day. I don't feel remote producer. That's that. my. That's the only Billy Joel song I really like. It is a it's my. It's my favorite song. song. It's, it's my it's, favorite it's Billy the Joel. Musical, song. Yeah, the musical yeah. structure is great. The, the break. The break part with the guitar and Bill. Yeah, and the, it's a pop yeah. song. It's a great yeah. pop song. Yeah. Like when it comes to Billy but, Joel, I love to say I can't stand him. I'm sick of him. But then when Billy Joel albums come on, I listen to him. Like The Stranger. Mm -hmm. I used to say I'm sick of that album. It's a great, it's a good record. It's a great <laughs> hey, album. I used yeah. to have I used to have Billy Joel records back then. I had uh, yeah. Turnstiles, you know. I had those kind of records or whatever. But I just gave them up, you know. Like after that, you know, it's like, yeah, I don't know, man. It was a little there's something about it. But Allentown, well, I'm living here. We're living here in Allentown. Yeah, pulling all the friend, from the ground. Our friend Scott Mitter is a big Billy Joel fan. Yeah, except except for the um. What's the album that has Uptown Girl on it? Is that an innocent man? Yeah, I that's don't know. A, that yeah. was a tough album to swallow because he just it, it, you know, he was you had the classic '70s Billy Joel, and all of a sudden he does that album, and it's like, wait, wait yeah, yeah, no, you had rock and roll Billy Joel with Glass Houses. Yeah, now that's got some, that's got some good songs on it. it. Does. Doing all for all for Lena. Yeah, sleeping with the television on. Yeah, I mean that's you know for Billy Joel, like, he's not a rocker rocker, but those are some rocking songs. Bro. Yeah, yeah. But even like a diehard fan like Scott Miller goes with Innocent Man, he goes, I, go, I can't even consider that an album if it's. <laughs> he had a great drummer, though. Liberty DeVito. Liberty what DeVito. Oh, for yeah. That guy, you know? It's Liberty Biberty DeVito. I, I remember he did an HBO concert from Nassau Coliseum, and that was like, I was young. I was like a teenager, and I'm like, that was one of my, like, holy shit, this guy Liberty, he's a monster. Yeah, he was just great. Yep. And um, Captain Jack, that song, and. Um, I always get the title wrong. The one AD. Don't need to hear that anymore. Or Piano Man. Don't need to hear. Oh, what's the one about seeing the lights go out on Broadway? Yeah, Liberty yeah. tears up it. Tears yeah. it up on yeah. that man. That was a live hit. His yeah. his hit version. That was a live version. The songs from the yeah. Attic album. Like yeah, yeah, that's a good yep, album. Yep. Yeah. yeah, he had a he had well, a good song where What's the matter with the world? And then they see the attic out of time. That's a good he, one. He's good. Yeah. He's got that other side too. It's you know the one song on. Uh, it's on glass houses. All your waiters in your French motel, whatever. Um, you may be right. Don't don't ask no, me why. Don't ask me why. Yeah, you may be right. Does that part of him? It's you know, that's not like it's on the French well, Riviera, but you know, he's a musical guy. Keyboard the, players are like that. You know, you know People, the, the only I, song, I, the only song I didn't like from him, the one where he really totally mimicked uh, Bruce Springsteen. One, two. One, Matter two, three. Oh, he had the telecaster. I was like, come he's on. He's playing guitar like him. He's oh, he's punching his, punching his chords. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, with that when you go one, but he was influenced two, one, two, three. You go tra la 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 la. Let's look for two. You know, you can do it. <laughs> and that's that's that the, a cover too, right? Is that the grassroots? That's the, but they're not the original ones. They're not the original ones. Mark can There's find no out who it is. The grassroots are not the original ones. I think an English group may have done it first. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Well, the grassroots weren't a real band. They were one that was put together. They were one. Yeah, yeah. They were put together, uh, right? Who knew? Morty Schumann. Yeah. Schumann the human. So I was talking to Mark the other day about uh, Mark. We were talking about Rod Stewart. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And um, I think I was trying to, I was asking you about, uh, you know, Rod, they, they covered uh, 
a Motown song. Which one was? What was the Motown song that Rod Stewart I and uh, the Faces lo- covered? I'm losing you. I know I'm losing you. I'm losing you. That's yeah. that's an old oh, Motown. Yeah. That's a Motown oh, song or something, right? It was uh, yeah. written by Norman <laughs> Whitfield, Eddie Holland, and Cornelius Grant, and that band was The Temptations. Yeah. No. Wait, Norman Whitfield. Whitfield. Eddie Norman Whitfield was. Uh, I don't know if he was in a band, but he was a he was a house songwriter at Motown. Yeah. Whitfield and Barrett Strong wrote a lot of songs. I believe Barrett it's Temptations. Strong. We're getting laughed at right now by people. It's, it's it's one of those Motown songs you know. It just may not remember the band. But, yeah. Did, yep. did the Temptations do that version that we're talking about? They did it originally. Either the Temptations. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm lo- yeah. Great. No, I think I think Rob with the faces. I mean, that was good. You know. Um, but you know, I, I don't know. I, he's kind of. Well, yeah, they wrote some tonight. songs too. They they wrote some of those, like uh, "In the Morning," "Please Don't Say You Love Me." Stay that, with that, me. That's stay with me. Stay like with me. Yeah. that was written by. Was that written by them, Mark? It was Ron Wood and Rod Stewart, and it was written by uh, Woody and Rod Stewart. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a I am a big Rod Stewart fan. In when right. I was a kid, I didn't like many different bands. I was you know big on ELP, but I always yeah. had Rod Stewart albums. As he's great. I don't know. And he didn't remember, write many uh, of his songs, but the ones he yeah. wrote were big. You know, I remember seeing yeah, him that, live playing, uh, playing live. Jersey. Stay with me live, and you know Ron Wood was doing a slide guitar, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. wow, he was, I, I think he was open tuned. By the way, too, yeah. I think he, I don't know what key he was in, but it was open tuning. It, also, it's funny when when he was with the Did faces. He write, you wear it well. You know what? You wear it well. He might. It's, it's a good song. That's a great early, song. Early yeah. in his yeah. career, he wrote a lot more of his songs. Later in his mm-hmm. career, he became more of a interpreter. Yeah, Cat Stevens, first cousin, yeah. Davis, all that. Did, um, did he write Hot Legs? That was Simi Carmen Apathy. Yeah, uh, no, that's I love the. the honey. Yeah. But there, but there's the one you mentioned the, the ballad of Georgie, oh, right? Oh, yeah. oh Georgie, yeah. don't let me down, Georgie. And that's, do, a, that's a well, that's a pretty do. controversial, brave song considering running about running about a gay yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's a great song. And Rod Stewart wrote that himself. So it's funny he interprets a lot of songs. His first cut is the deepest was a huge hit, and I didn't know Cat Stevens wrote it. And Cat like, Stevens, oh. yeah, yep. And a, co- a bunch of his songs, but then wow. yeah, Rod, Rod wrote yeah. some really good songs in there. You know. Oh, I like uh, every picture tells a story. So how? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, what was the song goes? My clothes, they stunk, but I kept my funk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's every picture tells a story, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And him and... Is that Kenny Jones on drums? Good question. I think Uh, that's that's the great Kenny Jones. Every picture tells a story, don't it? Nope, nope. Mick Waller. Was this the faces or was this Rod Stewart solo? Rod Stewart. When Mick Waller came to my house. Well, So here's the deal. When he was with the faces... He was doing his solo albums. Pretty much most of the faces were on the albums. Yeah. Like Ron Wood was every one, on every one of those albums. But he also had, like, so Mickey Waller played drums on a bunch of his albums. And, uh, yeah, he's on that every that whole album. Every picture tells a story. Yep. I should remember, because I have the original album where it's got all the pictures of the guys, you know. Um, but, yeah, Ron Wood was the only guy from the faces on that album. But he had, Lou, you'll know this, you know, Pete Sears? He was in Starship later. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was yeah, on Every player. Picture Tells a Story. Kind of interesting. Is he, is he a bassist? No, uh, piano. Okay, okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's it's funny how the music, it, you, that's so a this, totally this, English album, you know? So that was not The Faces. That was just Rod Stewart. Yeah. Every Picture yeah. Tells a Story. 
probably. And the you know big... why they were? You know why they call themselves small faces? Yeah, because they were all like five foot four. <laughs> they're, they're really short. About as tall as uh, the Billy Idol's man. <laughs> I saw them even with the giant hair. I was like ten feet taller than all of them. I think Kenny Jones was the tallest one in the band, and had like five six. <laughs> I think. I didn't. I think Lynn's Johnson, his autobiography, he had something to say about their height too, and he produced some. Really? And Kenny guys, Jones though. was not the best drummer for the Who, Perry. No, I never said that he was. I said yes, for you those. Did. For, I did not. I said, I said for the for face dances, the pop album, he was perfect for it. I love that record. I love I love face the face dances. I love this that record. Good night, mate. I like the video for that. Well, that was from a different record. It was like, it was like a puppet was... claymation video. I think wasn't it? The, the... Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember. Uh, yeah. I think my favorite. I heard slit skirts. Good song. Yeah. What a great song. Yeah. Now, that that's um Mark Brzecki and Tony someone from um Big Country. That was his rhythm section on that song. Hmm. It's good. Well, I'll say my favorite Who drummer. Fester from the place between her legs. <laughs> my, <laughs> no comment. My favorite <laughs> it's me who, who has to beg. My favorite Who drummer behind Zach Sarkey, I think he fit him so well was uh Simon Phillips, but then Toto Stone. Yeah. He was great with the band. Uh, so, when Simon Phillips first started playing with Pete, I'm like, this guy's crazy. Yeah. He had, he had everything Moon had, but he had much more strength. Control. Yeah. Yeah. Control. Yeah. Pete Townsend's brother, Simon Townsend. He's been in a few things, right? Jail. Uh, Rehab? <laughs> he, he I don't pretty know. Much, he's playing with the Who right now. He's part of the band. Simon Townsend? I think he is, yeah. Yeah, he's on oh. guitar. Yeah. So, oh, so cool. uh, on the Rod Stewart thing, so, so they wrote um, Woody. I remember a Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger was really uh, uh, Rod Stewart was really bugged that uh, you know Mick stole Woody from me. Mm-hmm. You know he used to say that all the time. They took Woody from me. They stole Woody. The best friends. Well, would really... you join the Rolling Stones? <laughs> Interesting. I don't know. Though. I don't know. That's a good question. I, I remember reading a story with Jeff Beck, and Back he then, said, "Probably no." Jeff Beck was saying he was at a party, and he knew Keith Richards and Mick Jagger were going to ask him to join the Stones. He said, Keith. "I was so scared. I did not want to join the Stones." <laughs> when you join the Stones, you're in a corporation. It's a total, you're you know. Yeah. <laughs> you're a, you have to become a drug addict. <laughs> no, no. You have to become. You have to become a drug addict, but not be a drug addict. I swear, a lot of those stories, you know, it's just. Yeah, yeah, they're healthier than we think. I think. Now, is is Woody? Is he still not a incorporated stone at this point? Or they, no, they, they, they let, made him. They he, made him. He became. He maybe he's a made man now, right? Yeah. Also, he it had to clean up. Um, he, I read really? his autobiography, and this guy, all his through his life, he goes broke constantly. He can't manage his money. I, I so, read that. Yeah. yeah. So the last time, like, he really went broke, and he came to the guys in the stones. He said, "Can you just lend me money?" And I think that's when Mick said, we got this guy. He needs us. So they told him, you got to clean up. You got to get sober. Mm. Because he was really yeah. just screwed up. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, he's clean now because he doesn't want to lose you're that right. gig. You're, you're yeah. right. I've, yeah. I've read this where, like, you know, in Woody would have a house with a recording studio. And everybody would come over. Friends would come over and they'd record their albums there. And he'd lose the house. And, and he did it, it again. And he had it's a house a, with a studio in it, lost yeah. the house. And it's only rock and roll, but I like it. It was actually recorded at Ron Wood's home studio, but Mick Taylor was on guitar on that song. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah, oh, he just, cool. he, he's so that. many times he's gone up, he's mm. got it all, and then boom. He, hopefully he's, yep. you know, he's on track. 
Oh yeah, I'm sure I'm, now. I, would think he, uh, I think at this time, yeah. I mean, yeah, you hope. But, um, I, yeah. So his first record with them was some girls, right? Um, well, he was on. They had the album Black and Blue, which was basically only the Stones would do this. They make an he album. It to, on it or something. They audition guitarist on Black and Blue, so there's a bunch of different guitar players, and he was on a couple songs. And then after they, this is the Stones. We put out an album, and they go, "Okay, we like Ron Wood. We'll invite him." <laughs> so yeah, and there's some girls. And, yeah. and there's these great records like uh, "Give Me Some Neck," you know, like a Ron Wood solo record. Yeah, it might sell a hundred thousand copies. Whatever, it doesn't matter. But it's a great little record. Give me some neck. You know? yeah. It's a scary yeah. good album. It's one of my yeah. favorites. Um, yep. He's got Bill Wyman on a bunch of songs. Charlie Watts. Here's my problem with the album. It's produced by Roy Thomas Baker. Only Roy Thomas Baker could make Charlie Watts sound <laughs> like pigs on a wall. Oh, no, no, really? Well, no. If, the, Lou, listen to the album. It's like mega what's compressed. What's it called again? It's called Give Me Some Neck. It's a great album. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's a great Ron Wood record. Yep. Woody, but on the yeah. songs Charlie Watts is on, he sounds like eggs on a wall. You know, Did Roy like, Thomas Baker p- produce Blue Oyster Cult? No. <laughs> Not at all. No. No. Come on. Blue I Oyster love Cult you guys. Back? I love Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah, I do. Okay, Albert Buchanan. Now, I think Blue Oyster Cult's best producer was Martin Birch. Yes. Whoa. We just spoke about Mark and I just spoke about that when you were off the air. He was Deep he Purple's producer. He produced the producer. last two great VOC records. Cultosaurus Erectus. And wow. Fire Runner. Fire Runner. Yeah. No, Fire those I want to hear. Those I want to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Fire Runner. Those two. Those are the last two with the classic lineup. Yeah. yeah. And um, I realized Alan Lanier, he played on horses. He was dating Patty Smith at the time. So Alan Lanier of Blue Oyster Colts on horses. Uh, he's got a co-write on a couple songs. And so that's a member of BOC on it. That's, you know, Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Tom Birch. Uh, Martin, Martin Birch is known for drum sounds, and the drums on Poltasaurus and Fire of Origin sound so cool. They're yeah. so, yeah. they're EQ'd so well. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, Martin Birch, uh, he went on. And to... we just can't help it. I'm getting a cowbell, by the way. Guys. <laughs> and, and... I'm getting, I'm going to have a real live fucking cowbell. You know, Lou? He, uh, All right, Tom Spallone, that's for you. Uh, I'm waiting he, to see. Um... I'm waiting to see Tom Spallone come up behind Lou right now and grab him. No more BOC. <laughs> and somehow he gets And uh, Martin Birch, I mean, he got those Ian Pace drum sounds, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, man. Another great drummer. Now, did he produce, like, um, Machine Head and that stuff? He produced yeah. Machine Head, and I believe oh, he who did. we think we are. Oh, Follow-up, yeah. yeah. My oh, woman wow, okay. from Tokyo. And yep. the, drums, the drums sound great. And here's oh, something interesting. Yeah. Now, uh, my woman from Tokyo, this, it's funny because the hi-hat, and that break there, that is some amazing. That's absolutely, yeah. yeah, absolutely. He's just he's just playing the high at the end. The time is so. Perfect. I listened to it yesterday. Yeah, is it okay? Yeah, um, I'm I'm a latter appreciator of. I like them going along, but listening deeper, I'm like those songs. They were great. Well, well, like, thing, I, like he's a great guitar player. I mean, I've been like, saying this the last couple of times, but like I think he's I think he's great. I was never a, a thing of you know purple and black. Where I he's a him, he's a riff meister. But yeah, the, yeah, yeah, great sound. Yeah. Great sound. If you yeah. um, if you listen to any song off Machine Head on headphones, listen to Lazy, uh, listen to mm-hmm. Pictures okay. from Home, you'll hear Martin Birch. That album was recorded in the hotel in winter when it was closed. You can hear Ian Pace like his drums were down at the end of a hallway, and they might. And you'll hear it. You well, that, on the that was the smoke so on the water thing. Yeah, that they the, the right. place burned down and yeah. they were going to record at. But and, yep, the drums have old... such an ambience. It sounds like it's mm. literally you hear the yeah. hotel. You know. Yep. Great. Yeah. But he, Martin Birch, he's known for all this hard rock, but he also produced 
early Fleetwood Mac albums when they were in that transitionary phase. Uh, with really? Bob wow. Welch, he was he Bob Welch? Produced, really? yeah, a couple of those wow. albums. So, well, this, this shows like these, these most of those producers, you know, back to them, you know, their musical scope, you know, the fact they can produce things from blues to jazz, to classical. Yeah, yeah. I'm I mean, gonna catch Bill, up. I'm gonna Bill, catch Bill up. Bill Simzik. Yeah, your neighbor. Bill Simzik. Okay. Uh, yeah, my neighbor. Um, he produced a lot of BB King. Like, he did a lot of blues albums before rock and roll with Joe Walsh and James Gang. But he produced a lot of BB King records. I mean, oh wow! Right? Just, yeah, yeah. But he's a guy that's not a musician. That's what's fascinating about him is that he was an engineer, but he must have an ear. I mean, he must have a record collection. He's probably an appreciator. It, neither music, is Martin but... Birch. Martin Birch was purely an oh, really? engineer. And then it's wow. funny, like when he was getting a little older—not old, but older—after doing Blaze of Cult, he discovered Iron Maiden took these guys under his wing and he did all their big albums in the eighties. Wow. So he was always wow. known as the big heavy metal producer. You know, mm. it, yeah. It's what works for you. you and here's the, here's the, uh, the zeitgeist is that you were saying before Peter Asher, he's the guy that got James Taylor signed to Apple records. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And Brendan O'Brien, you, ever, you know him? As yeah. A yeah. 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 Uh, he produced Bruce Springsteen and Mastodon. You're That's... kidding. You're kidding. Nope. And, no, I, actually, I, I saw Bill uh, Brondello's father. The other day. We, we talk all the time about music, and when they were first doing those records, he goes, uh, Brendan O'Brien is producing um, uh, my son's latest record. I said, the guy produced Bruce, you know, like did um, produce the, uh, the Rising, Rising, amongst others. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. He goes, yeah, and Mastodon also worked with a guy that did some hip-hop stuff. I don't know his name. But so a guy that did hip-hop records went and produced like a heavy, heavy metal band, you know, um, but Mark, you don't call them progressive metal, though. Yeah, they're a little heavier than progressive. Me- progressive metal can be very. There's heavy. some psychic. There's some psychedelic elements in there. At yeah. Time. Well, well, let me say, yeah. yeah. Brendan O'Brien also produced Jimmy Page and Robert Plant's only studio album together after they did Unleaded. So Brendan O'Brien's mm. produced some big names. I mean, he's a, what he's would a mean producer. like the Honey Drippers? He was he was producing them. Yeah, the Honey Drippers, oh, right? Man. Didn't they have a little band together? Uh, was that Page? That was well, playing. Page played on that, but he wasn't in the whole record, right? Yeah, Jeff Beck was on. Oh, I don't, I don't know. Page. Yeah, that's it, was right. a, it was a, it was a Robert Plant thing. Am I having trouble with my headphones, Lou? I could see you pointing at your headphones. But no, the, I, was uh, I, said, I said these guys have ears. Oh, like Brendan O'Brien. Like, <laughs> oh. I, I had a flashback they, they just... to when I was a monitor mix guy for someone, and they're like, the guys oh, on stage God. going like this. I'm like, I can't, I can't. Oh. <laughs> I, I, but uh, to each other, spiritual center in the middle of a song, my drums cut out. I'm. Setting up flares behind the kid. I was going to start hurling drumsticks across the auditorium. <laughs> but I'm like, and she can tell there's no drum, and she's staring at me at this time. I'm like, nothing, you know? So anyway, sometimes the hand signals don't work at all. Flailing yeah. <laughs> away. So um, I'm a train guy. I like trains. Yeah. You know, so I was, I was watching a documentary on, uh, you know, they have this uh, high-speed corridor. You get from New York to Boston in a matter of, like, two hours or whatever. So there was a, a Swedish company that uh, had a train that they, you know, Amtrak was going to use for this high-speed rail. Swedish company came in and brought in a train that they were going to do test runs on. And uh, a German company came in as well and brought a train and that they were going to do testing in certain regions for this high-speed thing. And... Uh, so they're testing it, and they're, they're great trains and great trains, and Amtrak has a seller now. But they said one thing, you know, they, they wanted feedback. And they said, well, here's the feedback, is that uh, Americans don't like to face each other on trains. So in Europe, <laughs> apparently, they all, all the seats face each other. 
They said American, <laughs> Americans don't like that. So the American chains are all back to back to back, you know. And you, you, know, you talk to people, you make friends, but you're you know you're looking over over the top. We're but that's worst. a funny thing about it, like, European <laughs> chains. Like Americans do not like to look at each other. Like there's about four seats facing each other. They don't. Americans don't <laughs> like that. I knew someone that took... I like going, I like going to coffee shops and just staring at people. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're in the south, I'm not, so you know. I'm not like looking. A... There's no laptop, no phone. I'm just staring at people during the coffee. <laughs> you're in the south, and I was telling people, like, you know, when I go down to visit Lou, like, people just wave at you. You know how you doing? They don't know you. You know, up here, you know, like, you know, how you doing? Oh, what, you. What's so good about it? You know? Yeah. <laughs> now, when when they do that to me, I'm still from New Jersey. Like, have yeah, Like, fuck you. <laughs> wow. no, no, when you're driving this is the, when they raise their finger that means hello I'm like, <laughs> my, my blue heaven with steve no. martin you know he walks to the That's supermarket right, right? Like, how you Have doing nice day. fuck you <laughs> it's a great day for a mo i spent, yeah. I spent three weeks in uh, portland oregon same thing everyone out there is friendly you walk down in portland downtown the city hi hi vomit hi. everywhere so i come back and I walked down to get my paper in here in Pearl River, and I see a lady walking down. I said, morning. She looked at me like I was going to, like, mug her or something. I'm like, oh, boy, yeah, that's New York for you. <laughs> that's the way you said it. Yeah. Well, I went into Tennessee on a, on a road trip with a, a co-worker, and we yeah. stopped at a gas station. And so I got we got our snacks, and the girl, the accent was so thick. What she ended up saying was, you all come back and see us again. And I went, what'd you say? <laughs> and the way she, she leaped, she, she was right back. Was, when I see that, I said, I'm like, oh, I suck. I'm like, my friend goes, he's from New York. He, he, yeah, not if, all assholes. If know? that was in New York, just, she would have said. Came out. Yeah, because the way she would have said in New York, she would have said, I don't want you coming back in my store. You hear? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, put a shirt on. <laughs> I mean, she was being nice, but I was just like. <laughs> but I just thought that a, was weird that, uh, you know, the uh, European, you know, they brought the European chains over here to testing an American. We don't like to look at each other. When we're sitting on trains. I, I know a guy that, that toured Europe on trains, uh, met him, and uh, he said that. He said, you get on a train and you got the guy facing you. And he had some great conversations, but he's like, yeah, it was like the first time it happened. He's like, here's some guy. I don't know. I'm up in Norway. The guy spoke English. He's talking to me, you know. It's like, but yeah, not in America. Everybody wants yeah. to be like on their phone. Yeah. They want to be. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that was pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, yeah, the Rod Stewart that's, thing. That's pretty uh, fun. What's that? And that's funny though. Like we don't we don't want to interact with yeah. these pleasantries. <laughs> yeah. I want to look at the back of the seat in front of me. Stay that's what I want. in my world, my world. You know. <laughs> yeah. So, yep. Anyway. Hey, you so know when, what? when I was in England, like I would go for walks, and you could start. Yeah, actually, you could start talking to people, um, like even like a street corner conversation. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, uh, now, now it's it's just so suspicious and guarded. You know, but you know what? In, we're, we're more comfortable. We're more comfortable looking to this than we are. You know, in, in, I'll tell you what. What I like about where I live is that there are a lot of people that come right over from Ireland, and they will talk to you. Someone from Ireland will just like you could talk to them first thing in the morning. They'll have a forty minute conversation. We've lost that. We don't talk to people. And it's good for the mind. It's good for the brain. Isn't that weird? We, that, talk, uh, we, like talk, a... we talk at people. I know. So <laughs> I work, I mean, I'm going to say it's where I work sometimes. It's like all broadcast no reception. I've got to, I'll blast that on you and they'll be like, okay, got to go. You know, yeah. There's yeah. no uh, even exchange or yeah. Yeah. a shared experience. You know, yeah. Broadcasting. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Like, like uh, people from Ireland, their destination is Pearl River, New York, for some reason. 
it's it's a bunch, but you got Boston. For some reason, it's funny. Yeah, you got to know where to go, you know. Yeah, yeah. The Hoboken yeah. of the Hudson, Pearl River. My family ended up in Elizabeth, you know. My grandfather came Italians from go? Ireland and moved to Long Island. Go figure. Really? You know? Yeah, weird. So it's all crazy. Hey, can I mention something to you guys? Of course you can. So I'm thumbing through my vinyl. I have so much vinyl. People gave me their record collections over the years. So this week I'm thumbing through, and I had a, a Mata Hoople album. Now, not everyone has video, but this is what, what the cover is. And I'm like, what album is that? So Mark I go is on, holding up a Mata Hoople album. Yeah. That's, that's ever so like a Palmer took us. Well, I found out it's their debut album. So I'm like, oh, I got their debut album. Now, I don't know much about Mata Hoople. I know all the young dudes, Ian all the way to Memphis, Ian Hunter. I put this um, album uh, on. Um, Mick, Mick Ralph from Bad Company was a guitar player. On the first few yes. albums, yeah, yep. yeah. So I put the album on, and it's it's weird. It starts with an instrumental version of You Really Got Me from the Kinks. No really? vocals. Mick wow. Ralph's is doing the, the melodies on his guitar. And I'm like, this is strange. A debut album with that. And then it moves into a song by uh, Doug Somm. Do you, know, you guys know Doug yeah. Somm? And the, uh, oh, yeah. No, I don't. Who is he? Sir, yes. Doug, did, Sir Douglas did he write, Quinter. Did he write, said Doug Quinter. Mendocino. Yeah. Man. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, it's really? Like guy. Wow. He, so, now, the Sir Douglas Quintet were a four-piece, ironically. In the 60s, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, the album, it's weird. It starts with three songs. They do You Really Got Me. At the Crossroads by the Sir Douglas Quintet. Then they go into a Sonny Bono song, Laugh at Me, which I didn't know. And mm. it's great. And then when Ian uh, when Ian starts Hunter. to sing, Ian Hunter, thank you, he sounds like he's totally channeling Bob Dylan. His voice is like, ah, but it's really good. And I was like, this is a fucking great album. I really liked it. And I got my guitar out. I'm playing along with it. The second side has like an 11-minute song that just it's almost progressive. They were a totally different band when they started. They were not glam yet. And, and I kind of yeah. checked into them. They weren't what doing What do you mean good. you got your guitar out and started playing along with it? That like, 11 You're one song. of those people. Are you one of those people? Yeah, I am. He's got, he's got ears. You but know what I mean? Like, But you know what? I'll never play guitar while a podcaster's talking. Scott mentioned that. <laughs> But let me tell you, let me tell you. So uh, I've, I think I've told Lou this story. Like when I was a kid, we used to hang around Jewel Street and there was a little recording studio over here. And these guys used to rehearse. They used to rehearse their old time. They were a band. I don't even know what they were called. But anyway, the day ZZ Top Fandango came out, the first song, Nasty Dogs and Funky Kings. Right. Those guys listened to it once. And they invited us in. And I kid you not, they listened to it once and they went, do, 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 do. Like, I don't understand people like that. I don't yeah. get it, man. I You're know. one of those guys, Mark. No, I, that, I have to work at it. What I, what, it depends what I'm playing, but like some, some songs follow typical chord progression. A, like E to A to, to B, you know. Yeah, yeah. Then you got other songs where you got those weird chords. Then you got those songs where, oh, I'll never be able to play along with Paul Simon because he's got like 50,000 fucking chords in the songs, you know. But, um, and different but, tunings too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but no, I just pick up the guitar and like that's why I became a Dead fan. Only because try to play along with the Dead, try to play along with Jerry Garcia. It's not easy. With the Mata Hoople, I learned some new chord structures. So I'm playing this this 11 minute song. It's called uh, it's called Half Moon Bay, and I encourage you guys to look it up on YouTube. 
It's got a couple movements. Why don't you it, play it right now? Because nah, YouTube will get shut it down. <laughs> Ian Hunter's at the door. Hello. Um, we can't. We can't do that anymore. Anyway, Any, are we done with that? Ah, uh, you know, uh, we well, can look no, you can play. You can if you have your phone here, you can put the phone up to the microphone and play a few seconds yeah. of something. If yeah. we're discussing a few seconds, yeah, yeah. But you, you know, I um, think fifteen seconds. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I don't know. What I found out is that they were not a glam band; they were just a rock band, and they were not successful. And they were about to break up. It's David Bowie that kept them together because he liked yeah. them. And when they were about to break up, he said, "I right, give you all the young dudes." He produced that album. So, uh, and yeah, it's, just it's the song that yeah. they are really known for, right? Yeah, and, and yeah. A, I don't, I never liked it. I don't, I don't like that song. Really? No, I don't, I don't like the sound of it. I gotta tell you, a lot is one of those things where, like, you know, you're hanging out, and a lot of people had Mott the Hoople records all the way from Memphis, right? Yeah, and, you know, it's funny uh, that album. Did, Mott... did they do Cleveland Rocks, or was that Ian Hunter solo? I think it's Ian Hunter solo. Yeah, That's... he quit them, and Mott the Hoople continued on with another singer. And they had Ariel Bender on guitar. That guy, I'm sure you've heard that name. Uh, but they, they yeah. were called Mott for a while. And yeah, you know, I didn't like the stuff when they went glam. I, I tried to listen to the whole album with All the Way from Memphis. It just wasn't my favorite. I think on, my on, an old show, on an old show that Lou and I did, uh, we were doing, uh, we should do it again, Lou, as uh, these silly band names, these ridiculous band names. And yeah. I chose Mott the Hoople as you one did. of those silly you band did. names. Um, now, do you know who Ian Hunter ended up writing songs with? No. Blue Oyster Cult. No. You yeah. come on, Lou. You know I'm only having fun with the Blue Oyster Cult. I know. I know. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm going to catch. I'm going to catch up. Yeah. You ready, um, guys? Hey, guys, guys. And I want. You really got me. Wow. Who's uh, doing the little? That's Mick Ralph's doing the Mick vocal Ralph's, on the yeah. guitar. So the debut huh. album opened wow. up in 1970 with an instrumental version. You really got me. That's balls. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And cool. they literally, wow. uh, Ian Ian Hunter joined them like, I think a month prior to recording the album. So he was like an unknown. So yeah. So I like that album. I like it better than the later stuff. Very, you know, check it out. Do you remember his? Maybe only MTV hit, or I had a video in rotation. Who? Ian Hunter. No. All of the good ones are taken. How does that oh, go? All of the good shit. ones are taken yeah. in my song from now. No, all no, of the I don't. Good ones are taken. Ooh. Really? Is it? Yeah, yeah. Tim saying he's in a robo by himself. <laughs> Looking like Don Imus. Or the mannequin or something. <laughs> With Fredo. Wow. That was interesting. Uh, Mata Hoople. So, uh, yeah. I, I what else is album. on that record? Like, uh, well, you know, when, when you think about like certain album bands that you thought were popular or prog, I, the more I hear Alan Parsons songs in the radio, I'm like, they're they're quite prog. Alan, yeah, don't, yeah. you know what? We don't have enough time. I, I, I'll go yeah, off. We'll were, do an yeah, Alan. I, know, I shouldn't I have mentioned Alan yeah. Parsons to Mark. Listen, <laughs> next Mark, time, Mark, yeah. what record label were Mata Hoople on? Um, Poly, well, they were on Atlantic on their first albums. I believe they may have jumped ship later on, but. The first few albums were on Atlantic. The out al- the song off this album maybe Columbia, people- maybe Columbia. Well, the song the 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 song off this album that a lot of people know is called Rock and Roll Queen. I didn't know it, but yeah, evidently yeah. a lot of I, I remember yeah. hearing that. Yeah, how does that go? Um, well, we could do fifteen seconds of it. <laughs> yeah, it's, you it's, could. It's, it's almost like 
you could have done it in a glam era and it would have worked. It was like the one song that, that sounded well, that like. That was the glam era, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, um, rock and roll queen. Rock. How do you spell rock and roll? <laughs> I don't know. R C K N. No. It's either an N or an N. No, that's R and R is, uh, that's MASH. Um, yeah, here it is. Rock and roll. Actually, Mick Rouse said it sounds a lot like bitch. Yeah, yeah. So there's a good thing about music back then was the, the riff. The riff was everything. Ian, yeah. Ian Hunter the, said the in riff an interview, was the song. Yeah, and he said in an interview, he claimed that the Rolling Stones ripped them off with that song. But it's a very basic, a it's a very basic bluesy riff. Yeah, I don't think they ripped them off. You know, we've had well, you know, we should do this again since we're on the, you know, we're on a different format now about these borrowed riffs and all those kind of things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, we've got to redo a lot of those shows. Call them Redux. Apocalypse Now Redux. Redux. Yeah. <laughs> Just bring us the board back. Just bring us the board. <laughs> what a yeah, do you guys remember? You remember this band? What band? This band. Right? Um, maybe one hit wonder, but um, kind of novelty. I'm gonna fast forward a little bit. Yes. I'm handsome Dick Manitoba. Is that that uh is that that like novelty song uh kind of yeah. It was the band was Blotto. Yes. Blotto. Yeah. Yeah. T T O. What was the uh lifeguard? I want to be a lifeguard. Help, help, help. Yeah, yeah. That was that was played on the first day MTV aired. That's when the first day really yeah, the first day broadcast, the Video Killed the Radio Star were on it. Uh-huh. Um, Blotto and whoever else. But um, th- that's <laughs> it's pretty funny because, you know, they were, they were an interesting band. Like, you know, they, they were kind of goofy and stuff. But um, Yeah, yeah. What about, they had a, uh, where were they from? Uh, they're from upstate New York somewhere. I thought they were from Boston, but they're from upstate New York. But they definitely had a cult following. Um, you know, the lyrics were kind of humorous. They have a song called Metalhead. I saw the video. It's pretty hysterical. And then this guitar solo comes on. I'm like, who's that playing guitar? It's Buck Dharma from Blue Oyster Cult. Really? He's in the video. He's in the video. Yeah. Wow. Uh, cool. I guess someone he knew liked them and said, you got to hear this band. So yeah, he, mentored, yeah. he mentored someone. Yeah. 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 So, he, so he's got a little comical uh, piece. So that was like a, yeah, that was like a semi, semi hit. What about like, just like a roly poly fish heads? Eat them up. Yum. Uh, Bill Mooney. Who? From Lost in Space. That was You're Bill Mooney from Lost you in Space. You've got to be kidding me. No, no. That was, that was Will MTV. Robinson? Yeah. yeah. Run! Start away from Dr. Smith, young Will Robinson. Oh, dear. You have, to get those, uh, the, you have to get the ducting <laughs> from the back of the dryer on your arms and start. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was really Where Billy Mooney? Billy Mooney? Bill Mooney, that, yeah. And he had a partner. That, um, but, yeah, that. So, Really? Wow. <laughs> that was an MTV was wide open. Now you remember the uh, the first song contest they had? The winner. No. I put it on my face. It's called Dog Police. Dog. It's it's <laughs> these detectives with like dog makeup on, but it's pretty cool looking. <laughs> it's it's really weird. It's kind of kind of dark at times. 
Now I heard that the, uh, the the late <clears throat> Michael Nesmith of the Monkees was one of the like founders of MTV or like uh, he had I Elephant Parts. Yeah, he was right. He had a show called Elephant Parts, which was pre MTV, yeah. working with video and uh, things like that. And yeah. Todd uh, Rudgen was uh, another one really into the uh, yeah. video, into video in the early him. early days, right? Yeah. You remember yeah. Utopia? Remember that drum set? The Willie Wilcox, wherever yeah, the drummer yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was like one of those bicycles when you see someone around the bicycle where they're, they're almost laying down their, their legs. <laughs> it's kind of weird. That makes my neck hurt watching that. But the drum set was like that where he's sitting on the ground. It, it's like he's in like a, like, a, like a drag car thing. And he's like, <laughs> the pedals were at the end. Like, it was like a go-kart. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty ahead of its time. It was freaking weird. But it was, it was a lot of electric, you know. I hey. can't believe that I just said that. You said it was Billy Moomy from Lost MTV Dark Police. Yeah, Will Robinson. <laughs> I don't know if you guys can see this. This is the dog police picture. Show it. I can't see it. Oh, there you go. Wait, let me see. <laughs> wow, <laughs> they look like uh, they look like the, they look like the. It's um, almost it's almost playing the apes large. They kind of look like old brother. Where art thou? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's from nineteen eighty three. It's it's the weirdest damn thing. Dog police. <laughs> That's now MTV is is it's all. I mean, does this still exist? Like for reality, I'm I'm 16 and pregnant, or whatever these things are called. Well, I guess in the early days, yeah, it was. Uh... Wow, strange. Never Wait, heard Lou, it. Lou, what the hell? I just searched it. You underneath, look at record? that guy. Look at that picture underneath. What the hell is going on with this dog police stuff? It's, it, that, that's hard, to, that's they, hard to see. They had a sense of humor. That's really what it was, yeah, right? Yeah, they did. Yep. And they had some money to spend on that video because, you know, the, the, you know they actually, I think the mouths moved a little bit, you know, when they're dog police. Well, yeah, I, that, I, I guess it was more creative in those in those early early days, right before uh, it, it became a young medium, slick. Yeah. It be, it got, yeah. Apparently, it got slick. You know, where uh, you know, like I said, they could make it look like I can dance. You yeah. know, with the slick editing yeah. and all that. You know, well, if you look at the early ones, even like um, America had a number one hit with Magic. You can do, and you said who wrote that song? You said there was a. Is that Russ Ballard? Maybe or I think, you mentioned I think so. recently that I it was written by Ballard. somebody. You wouldn't think that. Uh... But the, the video is hysterical. If you see it, <clears throat> you know, just you know, it's just it's it's videotape. You know, videotape yeah, tells yeah. the truth. It was actual videotape. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And even that band that we I mentioned a lot that someone says that I mentioned too much, they had an early MTV video with the song Joan Crawford, BOC, and it, it could have been done by any one of us. In fact. Albert Bouchard is just has a snare drum. He's faking like it's like they did this video in thirty seconds. Albert so he's, play, he's playing the whole thing on a snare drum, like on a stand at a swimming pool. But I mean, I think going into the mid '80s, that's when you know this, this is the format now. And Peter Gabriel made some gains with it. But um, well, well, John, Lou, you have you to remember the Loverboy, John Crawford, Loverboy, Loverboy. Did you say Loverboy. Loverboy's Hot Girls in Love video? And, and that's one of the Beavis and Butthead. That's one of the funniest videos <laughs> ever made. Um, the drummer's playing the thing with gas pumps in his hands. <laughs> well, Lou, you have to really recommend bad. that uh, that Bluish Occult record to me that Martin Birch uh, produced. Well, there's okay, two. Well, well, yeah, there's two, but that, that's, those are the last 
two records with the classical lineup. So, well, you know what? I think you should you should yeah. hear their first record. I'm going to give All right. So this is what I'll do. I'll I'll listen to the first record. Listen to the I'll first come record. Back. I'll come back and we'll uh, we'll discuss it because you guys are fans and I've, you know, I like to poke fun at them, but uh, you know, I I I respect uh, When you all when these you hear things, the so. first album, forget all this talk about the the, the Don't Fear the Reaper, Boys to Call. Think of it as like oh, yeah. a band from New York, almost punky very um raw well i, I, I know a lot about like, them i know that they're from yeah. long island and all that yeah. kind of stuff you yeah. know I, I i learned a lot about them from lou knowing lou for you know since the <clears throat> 1980s or something you know? in the 80s man yeah um, mark did, mark did you ever go to a club called my father's place in roslyn long island no but my sister went there a lot i heard a lot about that place it's famous the owner of it his name was something epi epstein or something whatever his name was he refused to have cover bands. If you played there, you had to have original material. Cool. Yeah. So it was a, it was a haven for a lot of yeah. those regional. Uh, Springsteen played there a lot. Mm. Uh, like CBGB, before, right? You know, like you, CBGB, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but, but a bigger, shit, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But you could use the bathroom. I think at my father's place. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, Blue Oyster Cole played there. Uh, Billy Joel. I mean, like a lot I of people. Fu- I got fireworks coming. going off. So if I'm looking off to the right, I'm not. Yeah, I got here too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, right, my so father's place. Yeah, ahead, my father's, father's place, place. Had, I heard I was not old enough, I don't think, to go there. Or young, I was too young to go there, but I heard about it from many people. One of the best places. Yeah. yeah. I never went to Long Island for a show. I never went to Nassau um, Coliseum. I went to Long Island to see Zebra constantly. I would go to Sundance and Bayshore, and I would go. We went out to CPIs, and let me tell you something. Long Island, they know how to drink. <laughs> well, because of, because of the fireworks, I'll, I'll Lou, you mentioned Nassau Coliseum. I think I told you I went to see Steve Miller band there, and uh, okay, and people were throwing M80s from the upper deck. That's right. And uh, well, there's that zeitgeist with the fireworks, you know. And uh, Steve, yeah. the band, the, Steve Miller said, "We're going, we're going to walk right off if you people don't wow. stop it. Somebody's going to get hurt." Yeah, so many let us handle the special effects. You just enjoy the music. Actually, isn't, isn't Jones, Jones Beach and Jones Beach is Long Island? Yep, that's I have no, beautiful. I was, I, I was there. I was there because that's the stage is out over the water and the. It's seats, like apocalypse you're now. On, you're on the uh, yeah, it is like that. Yeah, it's beautiful. I saw Emerson Lake and Palmer out there. You got the ocean breeze coming. Okay. Well, but yeah, um, it, that, that was one of the best <clears throat> best venues I saw. Um, Doctor John, the Neville Brothers, and John Fogerty. It was a great oh, wow. show. Damn, yeah. you saw but, you saw the new the New Orleans thing and yeah, it was the, the, Orleans, the, yeah. the guy who everybody <clears throat> thought was from the Bayou, right? Yeah, but it wasn't yeah. Bakersfield. Yeah, I saw. I saw um, the. Uh, well, I was there w- w- with the lights. I said, "This is like that scene in the the the, the yeah. um yeah. the USO scene in Apocalypse Now." You start to see the helicopter. I I'm saw, here, baby. I'm saw, here, baby. I saw Neville Brothers at Woodstock uh, in Saugerties '94. What a great! They are great live. Great they were band. great. Yeah, you know who was really. the best? Doctor John was the best. Can Mac Rebenack. And, and Mac, in my opinion, he was the best. Is he? Is he I mean, gone? Is and he they were all, all, yeah, they he were died. all amazing. He, no, he died. died. Mac he died. died. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, not not too long ago, a couple years ago. Yeah. yeah. Well, I hope he lived to be the a really tripper. old man. He was in his seventies. You know, and that's not too old, man. That's too yeah. young. Yeah. yeah. But it's that life. That yeah. life takes a lot of life away from you. Yep. I I got an old song by Doctor John. It's called. You, you know, your steak ain't no hipper than my pork chop, you know? <laughs> you know, it's kind of really, yeah, he's a collar guy. Don't forget yeah. that uh, Dr. John gave ELP the title brain cell surgery. If you listen, right. it's in what must have really been right. the yeah. right place, must have been the wrong time. Yep. That's right. 
Yeah. Yep. yep. I was in Great the right song. place. Yep. My favorite Dr. John song is the one he did on the last ball. Such a night. Which song? I don't yeah. Do yeah. It. Somebody. Such a night. Dun, 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 yep. dun, dun. Yeah. I like that New Orleans. I heard, I've heard some Fats Domino. I've been listening to some fifties music, fifties channel from Weirders, but a lot of Fats Domino. He was he was great. The whole great. anyone from New Orleans doesn't matter what kind of music they do. There's a a mystical quality to it. There's a couple jazz guys from New Orleans. Just knowing awesome. they're from New Orleans is something different. It's just something yeah. in the way they play. There's and, something there, there. There's there's the feel of the land. There's the feel of the, you can smell the yeah, air. That, that's that, what Bob Dylan said. The music's there's a, human. There's a certain smell. You know, yeah, yeah, and it goes it goes into hard rock because zebra come from New Orleans and they got a little of that in there too. You know, you hear it in their music. You know, Dylan goes, taking my time. Oh, Dylan, tell me where you are. Daniel and Wah had a house set up for Bob Dylan to record in, and down there he recorded an album with Daniel and Wah producing. What was the album though? Uh, out of time. No mercy. Is that out of time? I think it might have been. I think it might have been the mercy. Uh, yeah. Okay. Maybe I think so it mercy. was. Yeah. I thought. I thought Daniel would But he would say like uh, Bob Dylan would walk in. Maybe that, you know, because Bob would show up at any time. Right. You know, Daniel Lanois ready, and Bob Dylan would come in and like, oh, Aaron Neville's there. He's gonna sing with you. Like, yeah, you know, like it's New Orleans, man. You know. Yeah. And Dylan would when, take um, off on a motorcycle and just you know clear his head or whatever. Ever, I read the um, actually, you gave it to me. It was Bob Dylan's Chronicles. I think the, if he had did two, it's the first one. And I was living in Park Ridge not long before we moved to North Carolina. <clears throat> and I was reading the part, it ends with this last part of the book is about it recording in New Orleans with Daniel mm-hmm. Lamont. And it his description of the feel of the city, of you know, the whole feel the of the smell. place, smell, yeah, yep. And I, I remember till, I was talking to, to Kara, I said, We got to go to New Orleans the next day. Was Katrina hit and right after it was the next day? I read that wow. book the next day, got a bless. We're not going there for a while. Yeah, but I've never seen thing too. Name Desire. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even that that movie captures the feel. It's hot. You can tell they're all. It's just sticky. You can just, yeah. you can just feel the humidity. It's just and um, Angel Heart. You've seen mm. Angel Heart, right? Yeah. What a great movie. Lost. What Jack. a great movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's underrated. I mean, it's it's a great movie. Ricky yeah. Rourke is that's some of his best stuff. But um, it's the same thing. It, it's just you want to take your shirt off when you watch that. It, Double Jeopardy it, too. I think uh, Robert De Niro is the devil. Interesting thing, in New Orleans, too, there's no graves in the ground. They're all in mausoleums because of the floods. <laughs> no wash, yeah. Right. yeah. You know, a very oh, similar uh, city, if you ever read the book Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, that's um, Savannah, Georgia. Kind of similar yeah. there, you know. Yeah. Dark well, yeah that, that was, now, Perry and I, we, we, we did a road trip with Tom Griffin. We had planned on spending a, night in, a day in Savannah, but we didn't get to do that. I want to see we Savannah. To, yeah. No, we, we spent. Had a, we, we had spent, to escape from. Savannah. We spent the night in Savannah, but uh, yeah, that's a long story. Yeah, we yeah. will. We will go yeah. into it. In a, there's a lot of vomit in that story. Believe <laughs> sure. me. I don't know. <laughs> uh, that, but we're approaching bad. two hours, guys. You want to yeah. keep rolling, or uh, well, what do you no, want to I do? think I think it's a good idea. Like, let's plan down the line an Alan Parsons show because I was I got all the albums and I play them regularly. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, listen, I, I'm interested in learning. Like, I missed Blue Oyster Cult, but I'm going to learn. I'm going to catch up with them. Like I said, I'm going to like Lou. You're right. I'm going to start from the beginning. First yeah. album, you know, that's, um, the, that's first, the way to learn, right? The first four albums, I think, are great. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to take them one at a time. It's a stretch yeah. for me to even listen to the first one, but I'm going to listen yeah. to it. And uh, 
Alan Parsons. I, I mean, I read a bit about Alan Parsons, you know, and the things they have, but I've heard a couple of his songs, but there's uh, another thing, like, I'm a late bloomer to Alan Parsons because all I kept hearing is he's this great progressive band, progressive. So I bought one of their yeah. albums and I heard pop and I'm yeah. like, oh, yeah. this ain't progressive. Yeah. So I, if you, I was telling you, Perry, before the show, when you, you have a preconceived notion of a band and they don't match that preconceived notion, you don't like them. So for years, I just didn't listen to Alan Parsons. And then Tom Spallone, he's like, oh, you've got to listen. Don't listen to them as a progressive band. They're they're just a music. They're music band. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And then the, dr- the drums aren't progressive. Yeah, the drums are pop. pop but yeah. the intros, the other musical aspects, are very, very much so. Could be yeah. Pink Floyd. Yeah. And every time you hear them, I said that was another hit they had. Yeah. I mean, there was a, they had a bunch of hits. Tons. Uh, of hits. He, used, he used different singers too at different periods. So it's, it's always different singers. And um, yeah, yeah. The well, song, he's the boss. He can bring in whoever he wants, right? And he makes, I think he makes the most money off that instrumental they have. Um, I think it's called Sirius, not Sirius XM. Sirius, it's what all the basketball teams use. That um, There's like a thing on ESPN. This is, this, I can't oh, thumb it, huh. but it's an instrumental track, and it goes into Eye in the Sky. And NBA oh, yeah, licensed yeah, yeah. that song. Yeah. That is used, and he probably makes it. Well, you know, it, you know, it's like that Brian May song, right? We will rock you or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like, man, you know, like... Todd yeah. Rudgren, bang, you know, I just want to work. I want to bang on the drum all day. You Gary know, Glitter, hey. rock and roll, you know, that's another okay. sports we, anthem. We will rock you. Boom, boom, back. Boom, boom, back. Yeah. Blue Oyster Colt, Fire of Unknown Origin, veteran of the psychic word. It's almost Blue right. Cult. I don't care. Good. Boom, boom, back. Boom, yes. Back. Yes. Boom, boom, back. Except Blue Oyster so Colt used real drums. Whereas he's real drums, and, and, but also, but he, he does a different pattern. But yeah. whereas we were rocky, where there, we, yeah, or yeah. yeah, but yeah, but um, yeah, there's some at least on the first album, Perry. Then came the last days of May. Great song. Uh, it's a Buck Dharma song. It's a beautiful song. All right, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna give it a listen, and I will report back Re- to you. There's a song called Redeemed. Almost has a kind of a country feel. All right, hey, I'll, uh, hey, I'll, hey, I will give it a listen. Perry, you're as beautiful as a foot. He's more beautiful than a foot. <laughs> All right. Okay. Hey, I've got homework, man. You know, I've got homework. All right, guys. So, uh, right. you want to play the closing theme called Asheville Skyline? Oh, I love it. Do we still have the same email address? We do. We we are. You give it. We up. are music relish pod music relish podcast at gmail dot com. And, yep, and we're I think available we have a on, website. Yeah, we're available on YouTube. Yep. Yeah, on YouTube and Spotify, and, and Spotify uh, will actually Spotify played some video of the last one on me, and then it froze up. I don't think Spotify is supposed to play video. No, I don't know Spotify how that has Spotify has video. They do. Yeah. It does. I don't think I don't it think does. we're formatted for video, but the audio comes through. And soon there will be a Facebook page. It'll be this week. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, as I'm sure many people know, the real work begins after the show is over. So. Especially when you deal with me. So, uh, all right, guys, I'm going to play this song, and hopefully it comes right in, Lou. It's been great. Yeah. See you next time. See you next time. See you next time. There she is. I had a, I had a gas, guys. Me too. Me too. Had a great time. This is Nashville Skyline by the three of us. By all three of us. Wish I played the solo better.
Wednesday. Sound like Steve Gadd. He <laughs> Gads. I was going for Neil Peart here. <laughs> Shall I fade away? <laughs> <laughs> 